Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Down the blind, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the off-season brought to you by Bloke in a Bar. Go out and grab yourself a case of beer this weekend. I've got my 5'8 with me today. I'll bring in another 5'8 soon, but I've got my 5'8 with me. Matty the Waterboy, what's doing, brother? Guru, how are you? Just another normal week in rugby league, I guess. I guess. Did you see 360 last night? No. Oh my God. I actually, was that uh, where... <laughs> What's his face was dressed as the uh, Lee beer Baron. Yeah, yeah, so unreal. funny, top shelf, so shit. funny, top shelf shit. From my five eight to uh, the five eight, um, my original could be anything as well as you've learnt over the last few weeks. Uh, the man that the greatest trackside dog of all time, Soured Grapes, was named after a uh, try a sister in State of Origin, a Premiership winner, Jamie Soured. Welcome in, mate. Hey boys, how good? I've been uh, looking forward to getting in and talking a bit of rugby league. I know how much you love it and I'm a bit of a nerd, I guess. You're one of us. Yeah, I, I know am, you are. I am secretly. Uh, <laughs> well, not secretly, I don't really care, but uh, yeah, it's um, rugby league, the, the game that keeps giving. I haven't seen 360 last night, but I'm looking forward to watching the, you know, the shorts. Yeah. Oh, like that's a, all I watch. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah, the it's TikToks the change the way you, we view everything. So, but uh, mate, I'm very excited to be here and obviously catch up with the water boys. Mate, I knew him when he was just a nuffy behind the camera. <laughs> he's still a nuffy and behind the camera. Well, yeah, Don't but worry. now he's got a name and he's got a profile and a hot missus. Yeah, it's life's really taken off for him since he was on on my little podcast. <laughs> like, yeah, life's good, CO. Life's good. <laughs> Have you got any uh, water boy yarns for us? Nah, he was. Um, one thing I loved about Maddie, and I'll probably wrap him up first, was um, I always felt comfortable around him. So when I was filming stuff, he always looked after me and was always prepped, which was really cool. Um, but yeah, no, no real. I think on the piss, he loves the piss. Uh, he's, he's a good drinker, but um, I think I just wait for the time that he's going to be really sloppy. That he forgets things. I think that's the one we're all waiting for. It's coming. Every day it's getting closer. <laughs> no, he's very good at what he does, the water boy. Very, very good. Underrated. Uh, under this roof, very underrated to the outside world. Is he like, who in a team is he? Like, what position? Is he like your old Dallas Johnson? Yeah, I, I, I think he's the, the lock forward that just holds it all together. He's the guy that when he's when he's there, it's all good. Well, when he's not there, you go... Fuck, where's Maddie? Yeah. When he's not there, you yeah. go, shit. Shit, we've missed 50 tackles. He is so important. He's yeah. like the Torhu Harris. Yeah. When he's not there, you go, fuck, what's doing? Oh, that's a fair you like that or what? I love that. I'm, keep going if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll do us for tonight. Yeah, that's, that's um, Now, mate, uh, you're head coach of the Dragons NRLW. How are you finding that? Enjoying it? Yeah, I love it. It's um, 
I didn't think I'd get into coaching this young, mm. to be honest. I wanted to have a few life experiences and having kids is, is certainly one of those. Um, but, yeah, Ben and um, Hook gave me the opportunity to come back to the club and it's a club I'm passionate about. So I think when you win a premiership at a club and you get a chance to go back there and help um, you know, them try and get back to where we need to on the men's side, but definitely on the women's side, um, yeah, it's been a, a, a learning experience. The last mm. six months has been shit crazy <laughs> it's been sliding in dms to try and sign players it's been yeah facetiming uh zoom meetings you know, all that kind of stuff and um but i love it i love the fact that we get to see you know young females come into our game yeah the, the look on their faces they're so grateful um and they're they're learning they're always taking notes and uh, i think guru there there's a lot of girls coming through that love the game yeah, not just because they're good at it, but mm. absolutely love the game like we do. I think it's one thing that stood out for me, mate. Like, you, you obviously had to go out and, and recruit a lot of girls into this year, and I loved that every single one of them, there was an Instagram video of you, like, l really enjoying that moment. I think a lot of other clubs there would be, like, the head coach wouldn't be in all those videos, wouldn't be going all those effort. And I, uh, I, I haven't mentioned this to you, but I spoke to a few of your girls. I won't say who because I won't embarrass them. But they just said the relationship that you've built with all of them has been second to none. They know you genuinely care, which matters. Yeah, and, and that was – I knew that every other club was probably just going to put up a sticker of the new jersey and their face of, of the new players. And, yeah, one thing we wanted to do Which, is, by the way, you can get away with. Yeah, You could have got away oh, with yeah, that. Oh, yeah, easily. 100%. But I think, like, my coaching style and my philosophy around um, I'm intense and I'm emotional. I know a lot about footy. I, know, I still learn a lot about footy. You know, I watch every game. Um, but I care and yeah, one thing that I'll never ever be accused of in my coaching career is not caring and sometimes I care too much mm -hmm. and it spills over and it's like I've got Tourette's right but I care so when we decided to do that I rang um, CK and I just said listen mate we're going to try something different with our signings and we went around Sydney I think we signed nine the first day um, the only one we couldn't get was uh, Ferris Sambo who was a Canadian um, yeah she was over in Canada so she's a Canadian uh, development player but I even went to New Zealand to get Tyler and Nathan Wong and, you know, going over there and, you know, just showing that. And you can see they care. This is the biggest moment of their life. I would have loved someone to be with me when I signed my first first-grade contract at the Roosters, mm. um, you know, showing me, like, because it's usually it's all done in secret and, you know, one talks about it and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what, let's get out there, let's get the girls there sign. And, um, yeah, they loved it, so it was good. I love that, mate. How good. Yeah, it was good. And I mean, yeah, mate, so far, you've done pretty well. Yeah, and this year was a unique experience, Guru. It was like, okay, everyone's a free agent. Yep. Yeah, can you imagine the whole 17 NRL team starting again because the Dolphins come in? Matty, imagine the content. Can oh, you? Oh, thanks oh, for coming. You'd never leave here. You'd just have a stream. We don't leave here anyway, but that'd be <laughs> It'd be 24-7 stream. Yeah. It'd be like, you know, Fox News, yeah. you know, CNN, just all, you know, all that stuff. But it was really hard. Um, but, you know, I look at the squad now and, and I couldn't be prouder and happier with the squad we got. We've got 24 girls that want to be there. Um, yeah, headlined by, I think, could be the greatest halves pairing that we see in NRLW in uh, Racine McGregor and also Tyler Nathan Wong. Um, you throw in there, yeah, some unknown gems or could be anything, as you call them. I was about to say, who are they? Yeah. Who they could be anything? Yeah, well, Tegan Berry going to fullback, I think, is mm. a really exciting move for her. Um, you look at some of the other girls, you know, Keely Brown getting her first full 
full season at centre. I think, yeah, last year we sort of had some centres and we moved her around and stuff like that, but she's gone away and worked really, really hard. Um, there's a couple of other girls there. There's, I reckon there's probably the next batch coming through as well. Uh, we had five Australian schoolgirls, which is club wow. record. Yeah, so uh, Jack Bostock, everyone will know Jack Bostock. I reckon I've got the better Bostock in Indy Bostock coming through. <laughs> got that, Jack. Yeah, she's uh, she's in development for two years. She's 16, amazing athlete. Casey Ray is the player of the tournament. She's a halfback. Um, so we've got girls coming through now. Um, and plus, to think, like, a girl's played one season, like Tara McGraw-West has played five games, and we class that as her being... This is her second year. Like, yeah. if a, if a male had played five games and then the next year they're still classed as a rookie, right? So, yeah, we've got a lot of girls that are still learning, but um, I think probably the two that there could be anything is Ella Costa, yep. Union girl, um, Illawarra Steelers junior played Waratahs already. Opens Waratahs at, at sixteen. Wow. Uh, turned eighteen on last Friday, so she gets a chance. What position? She's a lock middle. Yeah. Um, and the other one is Alexis Tuanio. She's a special. She is you know, out of that mould of a Jesse Bromwich um, with a, a touch of Torhu Harris ball playing involved and she's 18, mate, and she's got two sisters that are guns as well. So the, the Tuanios, that family and, and Ella Costa, I think are the really mark them down. And what does it look like uh, for you as, as far as the head coach heading in the future? How long you signed up for? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to the club now. So we're sitting down. It's yep. um, a drawn-out process when you yep. don't have a manager. You're trying to um, do it yourself, but also keep an eye on the prize with coaching, and that's the main goal. You know, I've sort of focused on that. And, and Ben and Ryan, I've, I'm pretty sure we'll get it done pretty soon, and I'm looking to be there long-term. I don't want to go anywhere. I think the important thing for me is um, – so many times in our game we see coaches take roles that it's a stepping stone. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't a stepping stone for me. I want to dominate the women's game, and I've been outwardly um, proud in saying that, that I want to stay in the women's game for 5, 10, 15 years and, and dominate. And, yeah, we, no one can win every year, um, but I feel like we've got the stuff in place to be able to be competitive. Mate, we had a coffee this morning, and I asked you how the Dragons are going. I, I was talking about the men's. You spoke for 25 minutes about the women's. I mean, passion... <laughs> Second to none. So, Dragons, get it done. Get it sorted. Um, mate, we got you in today to talk about your kicking game. Mm. Now, whether you were sitting here or not, I think Sowie's got – I was saying to Matty before, he said mm. to me, top five kicking games ever. And I said to Matty, that could be unders. I think your kicking game, second to none. I think people it's, – it's potentially forgotten when you look back at your era because you had – the Thurstons and the Smiths and these sort of guys, just how dominant your kicking game was. And if, if people don't remember, like, go back and watch that 2010 season. Your halfback that year, Ben Hornby, great player. I'm not convinced he's a halfback, to be perfectly honest with you. Very good footballer, but you just took control of the kicking game and seemingly all the game plan was built around your kicking game. And it, it I, I found that 2010 season, coming off the back of 09, just to be... I know people look back at the Dragons and go, oh, it's a boring brand of footy. For someone that looks at rugby league like chess, <laughs> I fucking loved it. I yeah. thought it was unreal, mate. And I think your kicking game was so important to that team. Yeah, and it was um, – it's funny because I probably never realised how important a kicking game was until Wayne came to the club and yeah. gave me that responsibility and um, set up. And, and that was part of my – part for the team was icing those moments and putting us in position and yeah I feel like 
Um, I don't know we'll talk about later, but it was more reward for a better kicking game back then, whereas yep. now it's sort of stock standard. You go into a corner and you're dead corner and that's what you get. But, you know, finding the ground, you know, that going down to Melbourne and trying to beat Billy Slater one-on-one, you know, and, and coming up with different tactics. But, yeah, my part was um, a small part on the construction line, but I felt like it was a part that I really took pride in. I don't know, like, you, well, you remember, but, like, Rugby League Week used to have a stat about, or Big League, I think it was, most kicks to open field. And I prided myself on that one because I knew that that gave us time to get our kick chase down there. Um, I knew that that gave us time to be able to win that field position. And, yeah, so many times it was not for that set. And you're right, like it was probably the best error of coming through with halves and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, Benny knew that he could get me in position and then he trusted me. That was a big thing. He trusted me to come up with the, the final decision. But, you know, I think about kicking games in that era and Smith out of dummy half, but, like, Kamali, the short side from 40 out, through the line to try and get a repeat set and then JT took it over and then I was like, okay. And it became not like one-upmanship, but almost like, could I do that in a game? Yeah, I could do it in a game holy shit, I'm actually not too bad at it. Yeah. We can do it whenever I want sort of thing. And then, yeah, towards the back end, the cronk cross-field kick, I think, probably didn't take off as much because everyone realised how hard it was to do. But a um, bit like the Joey Banana, yep. yeah, no one ever mastered that. So um, I think with my kicking, I love the tactical side. And now as a coach, at times I reckon I've struggled to educate that fully. Yep. Um, yeah, the five principles of who, what, when, why, how, you know, who am I kicking the ball to, when am I going to kick it, why am I kicking it, um, how, as in what type of kick am I going to do, uh, and what does the team need, you know, all that kind of stuff goes into every single kick when I was playing, now it's more like, well, let's just get it down the other end and, and not force an error, and try and force an error, so, um, yeah, that was, it was a pretty cool time to play, to be honest, like looking back now and seeing the game now, yeah. And people go, oh, man, you'd love to play now. They can't touch the kickers. And I go, you know what? I actually like the era I played in because I played, you know, at, at when I thought rugby league was at its very best. You mentioned there the stat of finding the turf. And I, I think that probably back when you were playing, I think we probably un- underappreciated how important that was. Mm-hmm. I think that the more, you know, the game on TV improves and the conversations around the game and the stats improve, we're probably starting to understand more and more. Like, mate, I hadn't even heard the term post-contact meter when you were playing. Nah. Now it's everywhere. Oh. You know what I mean? And I think that that stat, it's interesting that that was reported on back then, but it doesn't seem to be now. And it's, I, I think it is such an important part of the game that, you know, it might only win you an extra second and a half. Max. But that can be 40 metres. Yeah, that's right. Like that, that, that can turn a game. Well, if you said to someone, run as fast as you can in 1.5 seconds, right? You multiply that across the line and it gives you a chance to set your line. So, yeah, up with the other most useful stats or most useless stats, most decoys. I love that one. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> James Fisher-Harris had like 300 decoys. It's like, no shit. They're playing out the back. He's He's... He's yeah. doing Especially in the modern game, decoys. In the modern game, yeah. yeah. So, um, the 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 point of finding the open space was to really okay, because back then you could do video and you go right. Slater locks coming out of this corner. We need to pin him here. This winger doesn't drop back to the last. So, the reward not only now is like no one kicks early anymore. 
Unless you're Queensland. Yeah, unless you're Queensland. And you get and, rugby and, league. Yeah. And hello, they just won 2 1, right? So, yeah, the reward like now is like all percentages. So, you know, a player will come up to me and go, I said, How'd you play on the weekend? Yeah, I had 100 metres and 50 post contact metres. I go, What? So you fought hard in a tackle. That's what that means to me. Yep. So someone came in to tackle you and you fought harder in the tackle, right? That's the, the stat. I don't care. Mm. And I, I'm not a stats person. I look – obviously, I've got to look at the stats, but I'm not like a, oh, you made the blah, 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 blah. Okay, firstly, did we win? All right? That's that's what I'm judged off. That's that – the W is what I'm in, in the game for, right? Then off the back of that, okay, did you do your job as part of our game plan? All right? Yes. Okay, great. The rest of the stats, you know, there's a clip going around on the internet of Steph Curry having a bad night where Steve Kerr comes up to him and Steph's kicking stones and it's like, see the box score? When you dig deeper into the box score of, like, the whole game, your influence and what you do and how you help the team isn't always necessarily going to reflect in great stats. Mm. But if you're doing your stuff for the team, and I think that's what made our Dragons team so good through that era was, you know, you speak about Ben Hornby not being a halfback, well, you know, I would think it's like one of the better transitions, you know, other than Lockyer, mm. to going into that position and steering a team around. Now, he didn't do it to be like Andrew Johns. Mm. He did it because the team needed him to play there. We had Darius Boyd, who I think underrated or undervalued throughout his career what he did at fullback. And you build that all together. So the, the box score doesn't always reflect how the player plays. And that's where post-contact meters shit me because I just don't understand it. And, and then – to transfer that back to your kicking is like, okay, so finding the ground and pinning them into a corner um, and you look at those old games, yeah, it's chess. Yeah. Moving them in, okay, the fullback's back there, well, they got me this side. Now now we just protect 40-20s and the dead corner, which is boring to me. I couldn't be more bored with our kicking game. We don't kick for wingers anymore. Mm. Yeah, I'm doing preview but uh, for back five and it's like when someone does a crossfield kick, you go, Shit, this is cool. Yeah, the old Brett Morris, yeah, yeah, all that kind of stuff, but we just don't see it anymore. So um, it's become statistical based, but the main stat is that you win, right? I got a bone to pick with you on kicking the wingers. I yeah. think that's partly your fault. Yeah. Making us change the fucking rules. Agree. It shits me to no end that seven tackle set. I think the rule should change that you, if, if you have an attacking kick that goes dead from the in the red zone, the 20 metre line, I don't think it should be a seven tackle set. I think now kickers don't, well, there's a couple of kickers in the NRL that do, probably Adam Reynolds and Nath, Moses maybe, but I don't think the guys have the kicking ability that you and you guys used to have to be able to gamble on giving away that seven tackle set. Yeah, and I've I've hated it for years. You know, I came up, I think it was when I retired, like from outside the 30, you should be able to control your kick. So, but if you want to make it the 20, inside the 20, you shouldn't be punished for that. Yeah, we, we're taking out the young, small mm. Jamie Sowards that played the game that wanted to, like, try something new. Mm. They don't try anything new mm. now. And, and as a coach, it's coached out of us. Yeah, you know, I, I think back to 2015, I think it was we played Bulldogs. Um, 2016, we played Bulldogs out at Penrith. And it was, like, the last couple of minutes of the game. We had a set down there. And I roll it in the end goal and it rolls dead, right? Bulldogs go up, end by scores. Um I think the young fella, Holland, kicks a, kicks a goal to win the Kerry game. Holland, yep. In his debut, you know, Hook comes off and, and says, like, yeah, what'd you kick it for? You should have just run in the corner. I'm like, well, 
the game's made up of 50-50 plays. Someone's got to have the nuts to be able to execute. And I'm thinking, I've played long enough to be able to roll one in the in goal. It's taken the wrong bounce. They get seven tackles, right? Lose the game. He said, yeah, but you run it to the corner, they have to go 95 metres. As a coach, now you're looking going, okay, well, that's – but at the time, I'd like to think I can pull up a grubber. Mm. Yeah, so – and if I take that out of someone, which I probably did last year to, to a certain extent, coaching, probably coached the footy out of them a little bit because I was too worried about – the mm. outcome of the next set because I was thinking too far ahead. But, yeah, we lost the game and I was just like, well, now I don't do that kick. <laughs> but the next week you don't do that kick yep. or you don't put an early chip in and, and all that kind of stuff. So everyone plays the same. Everyone's got the same players. Everyone calls the same shit. But you got to have those 50-50 players where it's like an early kick or, you know, play four. I think back to 2018, Cleary – in Sydney, kicked early, and Josh Adokar got a repeat set. Man, that gave me, like, yep. I was pumped. And I was like, okay. And I love Nath, and I think Nath's one of the best halfbacks. But I think at times, even he, watching him and Moses and, like, the elite halfbacks, like, Cherry Evans old school. He knows he can wrestle momentum back. Adam Reynolds is old school. They know they can wrestle momentum back with an early kick. Mm. Not necessarily to gain ground, but just to get everyone going back behind the ball. Yeah, which is, yeah, part of the reason why I wanted Adam Reynolds' pick for game two. I year. said Reynolds and Walker. Everyone laughed at me. A bit like that. Now, I said to you before that I sort of blame you for this seven-tackle set stuff, and, of course, that comes off the back of you guys, which was genius at the time. Whenever fullbacks were simply too good, you just kick the ball dead. <laughs> And I, I still to this day, when there's a seven tackle set, like in Golden Point, for yeah. example, I still go, fucking soured. Yeah. I fucking hate this shit. But it was genius at the time. You took yeah. some of the best players in the game out of the game. And it's so simple. I don't know why more teams didn't think of it. Yeah, well, you think back to when Slater was cooking in 08, 09, and you'd see teams go down to Melbourne and they'd do the Ricky Stewart grubber into touch. Yep. Why sacrifice 50 metres? <laughs> Let's just give it to, like, oh, I had a fair size kick. Let's just kick it dead and. Get our line set. The boys, forwards loved it because they could just trot That'd down and get in position. Yeah. I could get back to my edge so we weren't in chaos getting our defensive line set. Um, and then I remember we got – obviously we, we choked it up in 09, but the first game at Parramatta Stadium 2010, mate, I put one dead on the full, I would say maybe 15 rows back. I must went in the car park. Yeah. And, and blatantly, arrogantly just trotted up and went, all right, we're going to – and every coach looks for an advantage, right? Yeah, oh, mate, you set the rules, I'll play to all. Yeah, that's right. So right. we just went, okay, that's fine. We know who we are. We've got our identity. We're sweet. And we were on a mission that year, so I was like, get our line set. Yeah. The other thing is, why do we penalise field goals for seven tackles? Mm. Do you know how hard it is to kick a field goal? Does it sound goal? familiar or what? Oh, yeah. Do you know how hard it is to kick a field goal? I challenge anyone, go out and kick a field goal from 10 metres out. 20, 30, work your way back, right? Mm. Now, mag now run around for 80 minutes, all right? Now get some pressure on you. Like, do you know how hard a skill that is? And we bag, oh, we need golden try. And I'm like, do you know how hard it is to kick a field goal? Well, hello. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. Well, would you, would you change to golden try or are you happy to, with golden point? No, golden point. Yeah, yeah. You don't think it opens up just a basket case of grey areas that we can't officiate? Well, we're seeing that at the moment with yep. Parramatta on the weekend. Yeah. But I look to the attacking side and the skill and for me that was if I get this wrong, we lose. And I needed that that moment. 
You know, I think back to the Tigers 2010 and Benji kicks out in the full. That whole set, I don't touch the ball. I'm just getting ready for play, mm. you know. Um, we, we sometimes underestimate or undervalue the skill and understanding it takes to execute in that moment. Whereas golden try, you throw it around, are, are we then looking for more reasons to get penalties to get the other team up the end of the field? You know, so are we not entertained by Cleary and Moses kicking it from 40? Like that kick that Nathan Cleary kicks from 40 out to tie the game. Yeah. If that doesn't give you, if that doesn't give you blood in it, you don't love rugby league. <laughs> There's movement. <laughs> now, mate, a few things that you tiptoed around there, and this is why I've I've always I always loved you as a footballer. That you were more than happy when the game was on the line. You wanted the ball. You were all you were all chips in on everything. Didn't always pay off for you. Many times it didn't. But my favourite trade that you had that a lot of great players have. Reese Walsh is one at the moment that I love watching. You can make nine mistakes and you're going sweet. I want to make the tenth. Mm. Give me the ball. I want it now. And the first time I ever saw you play was Jersey Flag back in 04, yeah. 03. 04, yeah. Um, and you kicked the winning field goal in that game. Take me back to that moment and your mindset at that age. Because you already look like, to me, composed and just wanting to own every moment at such a young age. Yeah, I think um, that year I'd, I'd been resolved from Canberra. Mm. They kept Michael Dobson and Todd Carney. And um, Sammy Ayub got me up to Sydney. I moved up to Sydney for pretty much like a training trial, really, back yep. then. Ten grand. Yeah, I was working at Foot Locker. Um, and Flano, yeah, he he just instilled this toughness within me of like, okay, I'm just I know what you can do, um, and I'm going to put you in those positions. But you've got to be able to execute. And oh, we didn't lose a game that year. <laughs> We won. Sharks had us beaten twice. One at Shark Park, 8 nil with, I don't know, eight minutes to go. We scored two tries, one length of the field try that's, if you ever get footage of it, Scotty Porter goes short side, kicks it. Our winger, I'm on the right-hand side of the field. Our winger goes to kick it dead, miss kicks it. Back to me on side. I step, run, link up with someone else. We score. It's 8-6. A minute later, he kicks. Scotty Porter kicks it to me. I run 70. We score. Game over. And then it was like in the grand final, I remember Ricky Stewart coming down and we had all three grades in. It was a really successful time for the Roosters. And Stick's like, man, I can just smell heartbreak here. He was trying to fire us up a little yeah. bit. And I was that confident. I was like, man. Because I'd watched Joe Williams kick the winning field goal two years earlier. And Joe's like a big brother to me. And um, I just remember getting it out of that game and they come out hard and they were leading 12, I think it was 12 nil. Yeah, they scored after half time. And... Yeah, Flano just said, we just got to just stick to what we do. And that was something that I probably lost when I got into first grade and regathered with Wayne was, yeah, we're really, you're, you're here because you're really good at it. You just need to be able to execute and want that yeah. moment. Um, and then we, we actually went ahead 13-12, they kicked the field goal. But in Golden Point, you just become unconscious, mate. You just, this is the, the moment. Every kid goes, male, female goes to sleep going, I want to kick the winning goal. And you become unconscious in that moment. And, like, the pass, I think it was from Michael Burns, was absolutely awful, like, behind me, you know. And I just turned around and thought, let's kick it. And yeah. in the space of that, it was it was over, you know. So I think in those big moments throughout my career, looking back, I was probably that prepared that – and I'll tell you a story about the Tigers. Like, that semi-final, I usually have – 
maybe half dozen shots of field goal in my pregame. And I'm, I try to make three in a row. That's my thing, right? 80,000 West Tigers v Dragons. Both teams hate each other. 05, it's just the smell of heartbreak, chokers, all that shit, right? I went out there, it was like a beehive, and I had one shot at field goal, and I nailed it. And I've never kicked one better, right? And I said to my stepdad after the game, I said, he goes, why'd you only kick one? I said, mate, he goes, I saw you kick that, and I thought, he's on. Like, not that he's on like he's going to play well. If he got that moment, he'd ice it. And then that field goal, Fiendsy, great pass. I don't think I've ever hit one better. It was a cracker. It was never missing. It was... You know, and people go, why don't you celebrate? I'm like, next job, five minutes to go. Like, yeah. And we almost nearly lost it at the death. But that you prepare yourself in those moments. And I'm not a, like a, a Nostradamus or all that shit, but I'd practice that moment so many times at training that the boys knew that, you know, now we go, oh, who's going to kick it? Oh, this, you know, you listen to commentators. Well, this one's kicked this one. And, yeah, six field goals. Like, nah. If the Dragons were in a tight game, you knew I was getting the ball. It just had to be make sure I was in the right position, which is why I kicked so many field goals. Yeah, I also find that interesting. Like, obviously, Wayne Bennett was your coach then. I look at the Dolphins now. Whenever they're in those moments, it's Isako and it's no one fucking else. No. And that's, There's no questions about it. There's nothing. The halves get the fuck out of the way. No. It's Isako. Well, Wayne was so good at you know, When he first came to the club, he just come up to me and he goes, I always want to take the two. Mm. I always want to go to six or eight. That was it. He goes, and if it's a field goal, if it's tight, you're kicking it. And I was like, okay. Your 2010 team is the only team ever <clears throat> that there is never a look to the sideline to go like that. You, you never even had to consider no. it. You just, 1-17, to 17, all new, that's what we're doing, and we do it. We, we do not move away from that. Well, that was our was plan just A. just death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, that was our plan A, and yeah. everyone, I think back to that <clears throat> first semifinal against Manly at Cogra, and it's tight and tense, and we scored, and then it's like to 8 nil and... No, we just knew. We knew we didn't concede a point in any game in that finals in the second half because we knew wow. what our defence was and we knew we could beat you 1-0. And that is a dangerous, dangerous thing. Like we're seeing it with Penrith now and the, ga- the rules change so you can't really look at it, but I think our average was like 11.4 points per game wow. across the whole 27 or 28 games, which is crazy, right? Oh, mate. The, Somewhat. The, maybe, maybe it was a little bit more, but <coughs> when you think about that now, it's like the average now, I think, when you win, maybe I think Penrith like 21, maybe, in their, or 16. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it was, we were confident. We just oh, knew. mate, you were so confident. You yeah. could see it in everything you did. Yeah. I found it interesting. I went and had a look back at your team list from that grand final that day in the flag. And, you know, for a team that you know, was almost untouchable, Sammy Parrott, yourself, um, a couple of other guys sprinkled in, you know, Heath Strange, Michael Lett, but um, you would have thought there would have probably been more guys to come from that side. Yeah, and Brett Morris always used to tease me because they won it, I think, in 05 or 06. I'll get to that. Don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, and, that, and we didn't have a lot of t- guys going to first grade. It was really tough back then. You had yep. to, you know, and, and in a way I sort of slid through the cracks because the Roosters went through a transition then, Guru. It was... Three grand finals in a row. Freddie's retiring. Okay, well, we've got this gun number six who's 20 years old. Can he come in and fill the void? And, oh, no, we need Brett Furman. You know, there's other guys there. Wingy played six for a little bit. I think Amos Roberts played six yep. for a little bit. So, um, and then Joshy Lewis, yeah, had a crack. Mitchell Orbison ended up having a crack. 
you know, I never really cemented it. And I came off the bench and flooded around for a little bit. But that was when um, – I used this analogy the other day. Like, to get into the Australian test team right now, the cricket team, you used to have to make a 1,000 runs in mm. a season. Now, if you, like, get 100, they fly you over. Yep. Back when I played, you had to play 50, 60 games reserve grade to one. And it's really hard to play reserve grade because you've got a selfish mentality of, I want to get into first grade. Yep. You're preparing at a ground that's got no sheds, no fans, no entertainment, no energy. So you've got to create that. You're playing with other guys that probably are part-time and working. And your one goal is to get back into first grade. So you've got to try and do your job with guys that are part-timers, really. So back then, you know, I, was, I played reserve grade with Justin Hodges at Central Coast when he got dropped in front of maybe 15,000. And it was the most exciting thing in my life. Because I was just like, Hodjo? Justin Hodges, and he used to like pace me all the time. Yeah. But he, I was just like, okay, this is what first grade would feel like. And I tried to put myself in that situation. So there wasn't a lot of guys that kicked on. I mean, Stranger had a great career. Um, Sammy Parrott had a great career. But other than that, like, it just, it was hard to get into first grade because mm. you just, you had to toil and be good at reserve grade first so they could trust you. Was just, interesting. Just, just, sorry, sorry, Guru. Uh, 2010, the Dragons averaged, conceded 11.8, uh, 11.8 points per game. In the top eight, no one else was below 20. Wow. And think of, and if you can compare it to Penrith from the last three years, Penrith haven't never been that low. Yeah. So there you go. Someone, actually, someone quizzed me about that and I got my back up a little bit because it doesn't take me much. Like, <laughs> I was going to say. It doesn't take me much. You know, I'm, I'm, the boots are always on. Yeah. Sometimes the laces are undone, you know. <laughs> I can tie the laces up really quickly. Really quick, and, someone, yeah. and I was like, "Mate, please, we were, <laughs> yeah. we knew you had to score. If you had to score twice to beat us, like they had to score twice and convert the goal twice to beat us." Um, but yeah, that was that's crazy. Eleven point eight. Now I had a look back, obviously, at that team you won the comp with, and I thought it was interesting. The Premier League Grand Final was before that. Dragons played in that. Uh, the centre that was running around for that Dragons team, Bo Scott. Obviously went on to be very important in your career. Tell me, as a ball player and as a kicker as well, why was he so important to you? Yeah, Bo sacrificed his um, career – well, not career, but like his um, position to protect me. Yeah. yeah, that – everyone talks about the, the GI bumping me off. Um, you know what? It was only mentioned 300 times in the question yeah. box. and. <laughs> 100,000 views on YouTube, so I'm forever on YouTube, which is great for my kids. <laughs> but what like, – okay, so my defence in that is watch five minutes after we throw him in a touch and this is like a message for like, kids. You can – what happens in the first five minutes of the game doesn't dictate the rest because someone has a very big kick to send us into golden point at the end of the game from not an easy angle with time pretty much expired. So – yeah, Wayne came up to me after this game and he said, what happened on the GI thing? I said, oh, mate, he's drifting across. I felt like when someone needed to get up and I just got my angles wrong. He goes, yeah, sweet. He goes, I was so proud of you for that kick. He goes, that was a huge kick. I was, I was like, yeah, but what? I'm, what? Yeah, I was that excited. But the thing with Bo, we moved him to centre the next week and then I ended up defending at two in. But Bo never, ever made me feel bad for missing a tackle. He said, I'm never ever going to get into you or he might fire something at you back when you could. Now you can't. 
But he would say, just get your body in front. That's all I ask is get yep. your body in front. I'll protect you. And, like, to this day, like he's our defensive consultant for NLW. And when he comes and stands next to me, I feel like he's the coach and I'm talking to him. But <laughs> And you think back to that right, like the left-hand side dominated attack-wise, but he was playing out of position. Yeah, we had to get in the ball. He was just – he sacrificed because he wanted to be team first and, and Wayne had asked him to do that job. So having someone like him protect me and, and no one ever messed with me on that side after that. Yeah. Yeah, and then when Gaz came in, it was like, well, Gaz is a pretty big stature in the game. So I was protected both sides, which was great. Mate, uh, the year after the Dragons in 2005, I think they beat Parramatta in that same game the next year. Uh, I had a look through that side, and I mentioned there wasn't too many guys that came from your team to first grade. Mate, their team, Brett Morris and Josh Morris, for starters, um, on the extended bench was Jason Nightingale. Yeah. So a heap of guys that actually went on to win that comp for you. And a guy you already mentioned, which I'm glad you did, uh, Josh Lewis was there 5'8". Now, you two ended up at the Roosters together. And as I said, when I first saw you, the first thing that caught my attention was your kicking game. Fuck, the ball flew off his foot. I'm yeah. not sure where Josh Lewis ended up, but good God. I remember watching him when he was young. And the, uh, it's one of the best strikes I think I've ever seen in general yeah. play. Yeah, he could kick freak. the ball. He, he, was, he could kick the ball a long way. I think he played um, a couple of games for Roosters and then went up to the Titans maybe. I think so, yeah. yeah but, um, yeah, Louis – I don't know if me and Louis – like we certainly liked hanging out together because yeah. we both like a beer and a bet. And, you know, back then when you could go out to Sapphire in the city, it was <laughs> – it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we sort of had a little bit of notoriety and we could go out with the Roosters boys. Yeah. But um, I think we probably didn't enjoy playing together because we both were sort of similar in terms of... It was of sort of... When you were both coming through at the same time, it was one of those classics. Only one of these two could make it. Yeah, and but I think in the 06 grand final uh, Premier League, we needed to kick a field goal and he tried one from like 55 out and yeah. I was just like... Mate, kick to a corner. Yeah, just give it to me. And they passed him and we kick and we end up losing. But he was, yeah, he was. He had a big right foot step. Yeah, he could kick the ball a mile. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Well, we like each other and we'd still catch yeah. up. And there's no angst there, but I just don't know if our styles suited each other. It's probably the best way of saying it. I always remember when I was watching him at, at the SFS one day, there was, there was no one there. It was almost an empty stadium. And I remember hearing him hit a ball and he, he kicked it almost 70 metres yeah. full. And I remember hearing the noise off his foot and thinking, fuck, that sounded like the perfect cover drive. Yeah. Like it just it just whistled off his foot. And he did. He wasn't big either. Like he was. Yeah. we were both very small. And back then... I wouldn't say you didn't do a lot of kick practice, but it wasn't like it is now where you've yeah. got dedicated sessions for kicking and catching. On that note, tell me back to the sort of start of your career, even your childhood. I know I've heard you talk a number of times about how your stepdad was very influential mm. as far as your game and practicing. I believe he was the one that even convinced you to goal kick, essentially, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was. Um, dad was like – my dad was like the old Adam Docker, Nigel Plum, yeah. lock, fight anything that moves. Mm. Um, when I came to the Roosters, you know, Sticky said, I hope – if you're anything like – because Sticky ball boyed for my dad. Yeah. He said, I hope um, if you're anything like your dad, you'll be all right. And I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like a pretty little half <laughs> I can kick the ball. Yeah, I can kick the footy. <laughs> I wear a headgear. Did dad wear a headgear? Nah, sweet. Um, but, no, nah, when I was – I remember um, I had some great junior coaches, Harry Powers and um, – or Harry Power and Steve McDonald. Steve McDonald actually played country mm. um, out in the bush. And – 
they were really hard on me, but um, I remember coming home one day and things hadn't worked for me. You know, I didn't play. I finished school year 10, so I didn't play CHS. Yeah, I was playing touch. I was knocking around. I was getting me four woodies for 10 bucks and going to parties on the weekend. Like nothing. I wanted it, but it just wasn't happening. And then when I got the trial for Canberra, I drove all the way and I think I only played like eight minutes. And I came home and I just didn't think it was going to happen. But when I was going to Canberra and then before I come to Sydney, my stepdad sat me down and he said, listen, mate, um, you need to you need to just like enjoy it but love it at the same time because you want it so bad that it's, it's, it's like hurting you at the moment. You know, you want it. Like I wanted it. I was going to the gym at 14. 15 and my mates are laughing at me like and I was I just wanted to play rugby league you go to Centrelink and you're like what do you want to do I want to play footy yeah that's all I wanted to do and then when I come to Sydney um Huey just said you need the goal kick yeah you need the goal kick and that was when he moved to Sydney with me not a lot of people know this but he sacrificed himself he got a transfer to Sydney to live with me in Sydney that first year for the Roosters and he'd take me out the back kicking we had a, a post out the back of Sylvania Waters there and it was just me and him and mum had come up on the weekends with my sister but um, he'd take me out the back and he'd be – he stood there the first time, I'll never forget it. And this actually helped me in 2011 when I kicked um, to go into Golden Point against the Broncos but the first time out the back he stood behind with a whistle and I didn't know. And I'm from in front and I'm, he's like, come on, mate, kick and – some days you just don't want to kick, right? Yeah. So I'm out the back and I kick and I sprayed because he blew the whistle just as I was about to hit it. And I sprayed it and he starts bursting out laughing. And he's got this horrendous laugh like I do. And um, I said, what are you doing? Like I blew up and he goes, what? So you can't kick with a whistle blowing like that. And then, you know, he, he just, he found a way of always making it because he's a massive Larry Bird basketball Celtics, mm. which is where I get my fandom from. And he always related it back, you know, everything's – you got to have the same stroke from in front at the free throw line as you do at the three-point line. You know, so that stuff and the whistle and all that stuff, like, he just had a way of simplifying that for me on the footy side of it. And then on the other side, you throw in mum with the support and everything like that. Like, mum was great in allowing him to do that because Huey never played. Yeah, you know, he was cricket and basketball. But he just had a way of getting to me and settling me down and then put me on that thing. And he, his last bit of advice was... Mate, if there's two halfbacks and you can goal kick, they're going to take you. It's a good point, isn't it? And I tell that to the kids all the time. Do yep. you goal kick? Nah, start. Start. Why? Because, like, you're always going to go and look for goal kickers. Because goal kicking is the worst job in the world. Because if you miss, why'd you miss? If you get it, oh, we're supposed to get it. Yeah, you're a goal kicker. Yeah, you're a goal kicker. Yeah. You're supposed to get it. You know what I mean? And we saw that this year with Zach. So it was great advice if you're a halfback and, and you're a goal kicker versus a halfback that can't they're always going to take you and speaking of um your family very briefly there i uh, i've told this story before that um you were my original could be anything right now when like when you said that did you write it down in 04 05 like no i, I mate, i was in year five and year six but i'd go and watch your new south <laughs> cup games every Imagine week guru and school. i would stand there and watch this halfback Imagine guru fucking... at school talking to little johnny going he could be anything like that. and johnny's going well i just want me lamington and like i'm looking at nudie mags <laughs> so you, you you were playing in that team and when you're in the newtown side and as a kid i was a huge brad fitler guy when he and as i've always said i've never gone for a team i've always gone for players yeah. right so when freddie retired i sort of I went, 
fuck, what do I do now? Yeah. And you came in and I went, fuck it, I'm going to stick with him. He was the one I went for at Newtown. So I watched you come through, you went to the Dragons, you know, f- f- cheered you on going there and everything. But I remember I was at the first ever Indigenous All-Stars game, I believe it was, and I was sitting in the corner where Wendell scored. Yeah. He did the, uh, got the didgeridoo out, fantastic night and everything. And I was sitting there and um, I think that was, you, you played in, you were playing, was it the first one? Did you play in the first? The first one was actually 08. We played the Maldives before the World Cup. Nah, so it wasn't that way. It was the first one on the Gold Coast. Yes, anyway. All Stars won. You scored a long range try, didn't you, that night? Left centre, I played. Left centre, yeah. Third. Yeah, you scored. And I remember sitting there and, and I was a huge fan of you, obviously. That's pretty much why we went to the game. And I was sitting there and every time you got the ball, I'd sort of go, oh, you know, go, go. And I, the lady in front of me was, was carrying on even more than me. And I'm sitting there going, fuck. What's her yeah. deal? Like, as if she knows who he is yeah. better than me. You know it was, who it was? Probably my mum. It was your mum and sister. Yeah. Yeah. Got about halfway through the game and yeah. realised because I, I think they, they, they thought I might have been a fucking stalker or nah, something. Nah, nah. So mum, mum, yeah, she, yeah, when, um, yeah, she had went through a lot um, in getting me to where I went to yep. and she always loved supporting the game and, yeah, she's, she doesn't pull any punches. She told me the truth and we've had, we probably very similar in that stuff but um yeah her and my grandparents you know were my rocks yeah grandma and pop would travel to every game and talk to whoever you wanted to about their grandson and i'm telling you like 215 games i think they missed like eight or ten wow and a couple of those were in canberra because grandma's mother passed away and she goes i'm sorry i won't be there i've got to go to my mum's funeral so they love that um, I'll quiz you though. Do you remember my first touch in that game? No. So when Dell scores, they had the old sub that you could go for four points or two. Was points. Was Dell's try? Was that off the Scotty Prince kick? kick? Yeah. And then they had. Remember they had like you could go for instead of two points for a goal. Oh, I had like a power play. Didn't power they? play. Yeah. So Laurie Daly. Uh, sorry, Neil Henry puts me on. And he goes, "We're going to do this play." Blah blah blah. At the back, and I've come out the back, and Manu Vadavai has just launched in. Because so I'm on the bench, and he goes, "Right, I power play." Do, 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 out the back <laughs> Special set play, teams Set play Manu Vatavai the beast Crunch Straight in me Folded Back to the bench Like it was literally That was my first touch And and King I caught up with him the other week Like he was He was really good And, and doesn't get enough credit For those early days With the indigenous boys mm. um, That Mouldy camp That we played Before 08 Like He took the job We had one training shirt One pair of shorts He had like a white yeah. Blue Yeah, yeah. I remember And it, it yeah. was and we won the game and like presto that's where it all started yeah yeah i roomed with presto and um the jensen boys and all that and you know that was that was where really where it started but that first night on the gold coast i actually roomed with jt so here's a good story for you so we go to all-stars camp and wayne goes oh i know neil um i got him to room me with jt for the week and i was how good and I get to what year is this? Sorry, this is a nine. So this is the first All Stars camp. So right? Sal, uh, sorry, JT's well and truly JT by now. JT's yeah. JT. Yeah, yeah. And um, we get on the piss, and I fall asleep nude on his bed, right? <laughs> and he comes in and he goes, "Bruh, what are you doing, bruh?" Like that. And I went, oh, "Like that." And I woke up, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm a bed nude, bruh." Like he's, you know, <laughs> JT. And I just remember going, "I went sober." Like that, <laughs> and I went. Oh, do you want to get? I'll get on my bed. And he goes, Nah. Then I have to sleep in like you like that. The next day at training, um, it was like he made me feel, you know, obviously made fun of me. But that whole week in camp is where 
it clipped for me, Guru. Like, he would be JT off the field, right? He would put his boots on as soon as he stepped into the cauldron or the field. He was JT. Yeah. And that was when I realised, because I'd had a great year in 09, like individually. Mm -hmm. And that was when I realised that, because I was very intense both sides, that I could be a little bit more me and enjoy life a little bit more, which is why I think I've, yeah, with Maddie, my wife, and two kids. So I've got that really good balance and that energy and that passion for it now because I realise, like I said, the boots are always on. Sometimes the laces are undone. Yeah. Yeah. So JT's eyes would roll back and then, yeah, he passed me the ball. He made the play. I just ran away from Michael Jennings, which that was all right. That was quick. He could move, Jenko. He could. He didn't catch me that. Especially gain. back then he could move. He didn't gain anything on me, which is something I was proud of. See, the girls now that I coach, they don't realise, like, I'll tell some of them, I, I jumped in and, you'll love this, I jumped in and opposed um, just with the girls just helping them out and I threw, like, just a cutout pass, yeah. you know. And one of the girls like, oh, good pass. And I stopped immediately. I stopped immediately and was insulted and went, <laughs> I said, are you serious? I've played 12 years in the NRL. I can throw a cutout pass 15 metres. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Credit yeah. to her. On yeah, that oh, yeah. <laughs> she's nailed oh, that. They don't let me away with it. I mean, Bobby Law's turning, she's like family now, but she's turned into, you know, when you become real tight. Like, right. after this, I'll be able to sledge you forever now. Yeah. She was doing that before yeah, we got right. like this. That's so now, it's, yeah, it's, it's great, mate. But yeah. Oh, good pass. Uh, what? Excuse me. Now, mate, when you first come to Sydney, you're obviously playing under Shane Flanagan. And one guy I want to talk about, though, is. Um, Coach, head coach of the Sydney Roosters, Ricky Stewart, who I personally think has got the most underrated kicking game of all time, mm. especially long kicking game. He was second to none. I, I always have a giggle to myself. Freddie retires 04, 05. The Roosters hire Brad Fittler as their kicking coach, despite having Ricky Stewart as their head coach. And I just always remember thinking, why the fuck do you need mm. a kicking coach when you got Ricky Stewart there? Always blew me away. What did he add to your game as far as your um, kicking game went? Stick or Freddie? Sticky. I think sticky, it's hard sometimes as a head coach because you're looking after everyone. Mm. So it's hard to not get your hands dirty, but spend extra time yeah. with, with certain players. So, yeah, sticky was very hard on me when yeah. I was a junior. And um, I think I'd come full circle when I worked with him in Origin. He'd realise that, you know, I was just never, ever going to be the halfbacks that he'd coached. I was always going to be different. You know, I didn't dig the ball right into the line, but I could kick the ball a mile yeah. or I could chip and chase or, you know, stuff like that. So um, Sticky was very hard on me early on and I think if we sat down here now, like it held me it held me in good stead, but there were some tough times where I'd come out of video crying because yeah. I just didn't understand the game. You know, I was undefeated in 04, grand final 05, grand final 06, had played 20 games in that. Um, and probably the one thing that Sticky does is he cares, mm. and I can see a little bit of Sticky coaching in me. Like, he really cares about his players. And, um, you yeah, know, in 05, I made my debut, and the next day, Dad had a heart attack. Mm. So, yeah, that for me was um, – I never really processed that. It was – footy like get back to footy and i took a couple of weeks off and yeah my stepdad took me out to a reserve grade game 
I think I said something like, oh, man, I can't believe it. Like, what, what are we watching this for? And he's like, well, do you want to play that or do you want to play that? And, you know, and it took me a while, but Sticky really cared for me during that period. I think he told me, he showed me a resilience of, um, which is what I try and show the girls now, is like getting the first grades really hard, staying there is really, really, really hard and doing your job every week and, and trusting you. And, you know, I remember him saying, like, we can't have you in first grade at the moment. You set up two tries, you let one in. And in my head, I'm going, well, I'm still in the plus, right? Like, yeah. yeah, but he told me, he's, he taught me a toughness and, and showed me that I had to be resilient in certain stages. Plus, I had to learn to boss people around, which coming from arguably one of the greatest five-eighths of all time in Freddie and, and that crew that he had, it was going to be hard. So I think he was trying to prepare me for the future. In 2011, I had a really enjoyable experience in Origin. Like Stick just came in and said, how do you want to play? Yeah, he'd realised that I'd sort of earned my yep. dues and, and got that. But when he brought Freddie in, Freddie actually, yeah, taught me about consistency and strike of the ball and, mm. you yeah, know, routine. Yes, something we take for granted as kickers is – getting into that routine of strike and drop and position, purpose, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, we did a drill, like a runway drill with Louis and um, Freddie. You just had to – it was like 30 wide, kick as far as you could, as far as you could. And Louis just nails one. It's like 65 metres. Next one's out. Next one's 65. Out. I think he went three for six. And then I went sort of like 50, 50, 50, yeah, plugged down and – yeah, that became the goal of like, right, well, great, you can kick it 65 metres. Can you do it six times in a row? Yep. Can you do it ten times in a row? Can you do it with the game on the line? Yeah, so Freddie taught me that about repetition and, and understanding other people's positions. Like kicking for the winger, if you miss by two metres, he's wasted 40 metres for you. Mm. Yeah, so he'd do a drill where – I remember he put Sam Perrett in the kicker and me on the wing and like – it was just appreciation of how hard – okay, so Sam would spray it and he'd go, right, well, see how hard it is for Sam to kick the ball 40 metres? And then Sam would kick – not nail one and I've come through and half dropped it. And you go, see how hard it is to run full pelt and, and catch it? Yeah. So that was all in Freddie's method was appreciation. But the thing about Sticky and, and Freddie when they would work together is they'd done it all. Mm. So I was probably a bit overawed of like, holy shit, yeah. And then there was a part of me that was like – well, what Wayne got out of me was coaching what I was good at and get better at that. Wayne said, what are the five things you're good at? You know, I said, I don't know. He goes, you don't know what you're good at. I was like, well, I'm good at kicking. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I can run the ball. Um, yeah, I can understand the game. So just work on that. The other stuff we need you to work on, but just get great at that, which comes out of the Craig Bellamy method. Don't worry about being good at 10 things. Be great at four things as a team nail those and nail those and the rest will work our game around being great at those four things mate i often look back at those early 2000s for the roosters and they won in 02 i would argue the 03 team was better than the 02 team yeah i'd argue the 04 team was better than both of them but 02 was the only side that won i think 03 and 04 are two of the greatest teams ever to not win a comp but they were built on brutal defense and you know i've spoken to guys like mini chris flannery and they just said those pre-seasons Torture. Just off their fucking head. Yep. Like we'll never see anything like that again. Did you go through all of those? Uh, I think the 05 mm. one I did, but I was coming back from shoulder surgery, um, Rico. But, like, you'd build up the the 50 hundreds yep. like to finish your session. <laughs> and, 
Like everyone goes, oh, it's only five k, and you're like, yeah, but you run it in waves, and it's a competition within yourself. And like they used to kick off. You'd remember they had in the summer wall. too. The wall, yeah. yeah, they had the wall on the kickoff. Yep. So you'd look across and you'd see Morley, Kalis, Flannery, you know that forward pack, Rickardson, Freddie, and then they he'd put his hand up and they'd all just move like big soldiers into it. So those pre-seasons were really, really tough. But I was a young whippersnapper back then. It was like, hey, good. Were they um, ES Mark sessions or were they yeah. at Wentworth? Or? Yeah, Wentworth and ES Marks. But, yeah. like, you go to the Sandhills and what I was, 78, 80, 90 or 80 kilos. So now I would die. Have you been to um, ES Marks lately by any chance? No. I've just got rid of the big grandstand. Yeah. You know, like, as you drive in, it's all open now. It looks completely yeah, different. Right. Yeah, right. Well, he used to do the um, 5K in 20 minutes on the rower. Yeah. That used to be Sticky's thing and the four and five. And like four laps of a field in five minutes. And yeah, he right. one day, Sticky, we're doing it and <laughs> excuse me, Texas, Chris Walker comes late. He gets out of the cab and like we're two and a half laps in this thing. And anyone that's done a four and five is like it's hard. And Sticky just blows the whistle. Nah, we're starting again for Texas, but uh, you hear the groans. Texas takes off one boot. It starts running. He goes, if you don't win this Texas, we're all going to do it again. Anyway, if you came through and you got your time, your reward was you got to keep training. If you missed, you got to go home. So there's like half a dozen boys that have missed their five minutes and they've had to go and have a shower. And But that was it was old school then. You could you could tell someone to get, you know, what, and, and blow up a little bit and you had to take it. Yeah. Who were the guys that, when you were coming through, that you, you watched how they kicked or you watched how they approached their kicking game or little things you took from them that you applied to your own game? Is there anyone that stands out for you? Uh, yeah, so 04, I think it was, um, Gus came to me with six v- VHSs, videotapes, for those people watching this that are under 20, um, Google VHS, and he wanted me to study Darren Lockyer yep. for that Origin series. And um, I went and watched those tapes religiously and just thought, okay, what's he doing? And I've always thought that AFL is the best way to learn and watch the way they hold the ball. And Mm. when I teach kids now, you know, so many of them drop the ball like that instead of having their hands in front and you watch the AFL guys kick and, yeah, essentially you're trying to get your hand off the ball like that, so you can hold it in one one hand and shape the ball, and then you then when you get really good, you can shape it and move it and all that kind of stuff. And torpies you hit out of the inside, or now we see the inside torpy, which I think is a useless kick. But you know, I would kick a torpy out of the belly. So when I started studied um, Lockie, I got that. There. Yeah, when I studied Lockie, I just looked at how quickly he got rid of the ball and how he dropped the ball, drop punt, and. I started building off that so that when we had that scrimmage against the Blues, Gus gave me free reign, chip chase. You know, I kicked to – I got Luke Rooney um, from the old 20-metre tap where you could kick. And I got Luke Rooney and Freddie blew up and it was probably one of my best memories. Because <laughs> like, I just remember, like, Gus just said, there's no – you've got no limits here. Because usually when you do an opposed, what happens is – the first grade team goes a little bit soft. They need to get – then someone makes a line break, then they start tackling you, right? So we did that, and then we'd chip and chase. I think we scored a try off that. And, and like we were a good side, the, the 04 flag side. But I just watched Lockie 
just the way that he shaped the ball, the way that he got rid of it early. So I learnt a lot of stuff off him. And then because I was a student of the game, you know, I'd watch Joey and I'd watch Brett Kamali go to the line and, you know, Jason Taylor to a certain extent, the way that they went to a line and, and opened up a lane for themselves. And by a lane, I mean, you know, if you have – if these are your defenders – and you come across, and I'm I'm sort of got the ball, and I'm coming across here. This guy's going to put pressure on. This guy might hang back because he's got to stay out. That's your lane to kick in. Or sometimes I drop someone underneath to try and get to this lane to open up. But if I kick it back too far here, I'm going to kick it into someone, or they're trapping scrap. So yeah, watching those guys like um, Kamali and well, I always and, think Kamali's the king of kicking into lanes. Yes. Yeah, he was and, the absolute wizard at it. Yeah. And because he went right to the line and, and did that, he um, he was able to do that. So, yeah, finding lanes. And, and you look at that series in 04, yeah, the kicking games back then used to be super important, right? So then you get your education about how, when, why, who, what, you know, which but, comes with experience. And I, as I said before, I think that period between, you know, Kamali, Lockie, Freddie, Brent Sherman was another one, had a cracking kicking game. Yep. Like, there was some of the best kickers of a football were Scott around Prince. in the early 2000s. Oh, fuck, Princey, yep. Joey, obviously. Yep. There were some of the all-time greats during that period. Um, what about the guys you watch now? Who are the guys you enjoy watching now as far as their kicking game? Um, I think, like, I admire the length and height that Mitchell Moses gets. Mm. I think the way that he goes about his kicking game – at times, I still don't think he kicks early enough. I reckon no one kicks early enough, but I think he, at times, could probably use his game management more and use that big kick. I don't know how many 40-20s he's kicked, but over the last couple of years, I wouldn't say it's in the top one or two. Um, I love watching Cherry Evans. I was about to say, DC is the perfect example of yeah, that. Yeah, I love watching Cherry Evans. The way that he can manipulate a game and just a bit old school. Yeah, it's a bit like he'll kick from his 30 when they're... I love when you see Ches on his 30 or 40 and push the dummy half out of the way. And yeah. Go, no, this is the moment. I need yeah. it right now. Yeah, and and then um, you look at Nathan Cleary and the way that he does it as well. And I think that's... Yeah, Penrith are so good across the park that at times I think they rely too heavily on him mm. to kick him into position versus kicking early, like... Again, you know, those three guys are probably the standouts. Adam Reynolds is a genius. Like, he, he's short-kicking game. He's understanding of when he goes to the line and he does that little chip, I don't think I've seen anyone better with a touch that, with that chip. I've said a few times this year, I genuinely think there's an argument of him being the greatest kicker of a football ever. I reckon he's right up there with the very best of them. What are your thoughts on that? Oh... Do I give myself a rap? Nah. <laughs> um, I, to, to be fair, think, with, here or not, I would have you in in that top realm as well. But I just think, I think that the way that Adam Reynolds. And but the what way makes that him is, so good? So let's let's take away strike. Mm. This is what probably gets him over the line. Is it's his understanding of what the game needs. So like you can be the best kicker in the world, and I think this is where Nathan and Mitchell still can grow. What kind of kick do we need here? Do we need the seventh bomb into the corner in a row? Yes, because that's what the coach is. But if I'd gone two plays earlier, I might be able to get a repeat set. <laughs> yeah, I might be able to 
turn Sivo around or turn these big wingers around earlier to be able to go down there. And instead of getting it on our 40 or our 30, we get it on our 50 because we amp up defence. And it sends a message to your defensive line as well. Like, boys, I'm in control here. Yeah, sometimes we see kickers, they wait wait to the last and you're like, that's so boring. Yeah. But when you're in control, you dictate how the team's going. So I think Reynolds, yeah, you're right. He is. um, JT was, was great. Um, Cameron Smith, he's understanding Cronk. Yeah, we, we forget some of those guys. But in the, the last sort of six, seven years, yeah, definitely Reynolds is up there. Not just because of his um, strike, but it's his decision making. He just always knows what the right kick is. He just he understands every moment. Yeah, that's right. Takes it all in yep. perfectly. You but besides that in from dummy half to here, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I tell young kids all the time, and probably my biggest gripe with with the game right now is too many young guys come into grade and it's last tackle. Oh shit. It's last tackle. I better kick. Oh, well, if I kick it to that corner, it's all right. Cause I've done what the coach says. Sometimes take yourself out of the set, still get your back rollers of ball, still get your front rollers of ball, play four, Sherry Evans, step up, kick. Yeah. That's, that's the art of being a good kicker. Not necessarily kicking it a mile or, the understanding of when, what, and hot, who, and, and all that stuff is what makes Reynolds and Cherry Evans great, which is why they've done it the longest. I also think, looking on the other side of the coin, shit's made to no end. You see so many guys on last tackle now, as you said. They get the ball 40 metres out. You know, the wingers drop back, fullbacks there. They get the ball in last and they just kick it. If on fourth tackle they would have looked up and there was three men, what do they do? Do they kick or do they take They'd it run off? It. They run it off. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at but you same situation, but just the pressure of it's last tackle. And guys just go to water in that moment and yeah. don't back in their ability to be able to, you know, zing a five on three. Because they've looked there. Yeah. You look there and you look there, then you know where the ball's coming from. Yeah. Right? We know where the dummy half is. So for me, it's like, look up, look up. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh, Sebo's gone. Right on. You ready? Look, Gaz would. The thing about Gaz was he always wanted the ball. Before, I, before he left, he always wanted the ball. So I'd just go zing and it was the wrong time. When he came back in town, it was like, you'll get the ball when I'm, because I'm in control. And he'll probably say that, like, he didn't, it wasn't 05 shimmy shimmy whoosh gas, but it was a better all round for the team, yeah, which is why we won. So you're right. They just get in there and they go, last, holy shit, I'll just kick it there. The coach will be happy. Which is, once again, comes back to what I said before, that all chips in mentality. Yeah. If you get it wrong, it's last tackle. What the fuck are you doing? You hand the ball over on the 40 men line, but you've yeah. got to have the mindset to back your ability. To be able to take that on. Well, if you kick one out the full, like I kick one out the full in fourteen against the Roosters at the SFS. Mm. We're at Hargraves pressure. I come from the wrong side, and like we hear, <laughs> everyone goes, "Oh, you got to be on this side because you're a left footer, and on this side you're a right footer." No, I won the comp on the right side. It's about getting yourself in position. It's not about what foot you are. It's mm. about getting yourself in position and understanding that my job here is we're against. We've got we're pushing shit up a hill. I've got to get myself in position to get us a good kick. So I can't be caught there. I can be here or I can be there or I can be anywhere, but I just can't be there with pressure on me. And I got one wrong and we're at Hargraves and the whole crowd went up and all that shit. And I was like, I smiled because I just went, you idiot. You just failed to prepare for that set and you got burnt and you, you risked it. And then the next set I was prepared and we, we ended up winning the game. Cracking game, that one. Mate, it was well, – Roosters had won the comp 13. Yep. And we – we were like the Cinderella story of 
injuries. We had a shitload of injuries. Um, Will Smith was my 5'8", which is why I blew up that the Tigers weren't playing him at 5'8", when he was in their stocks. Mm. Yeah, he's he's such a tough footballer, but he's a footballer. He's old school. Yeah, He'll razzle-dazzle, he'll, he'll make some mistakes, but he wants the footy. And then, you know, we had like Brent Kite, Chico, um, Dallin Martini. It was funny, the pre-season 14... Um, I kicked the footy and it and it was rolling dead, rolling dead, and it just went dead. And Dallin gave up on the chase. And Dallin's a good Christian boy, like he's yeah. You don't swear around Dallin, right? And I baked him, absolutely baked him. You look back to that play. I just said, mate, don't give up on the f and play. You never know what that f and ball can do. Blah blah. blah. I went off on him, right? I right. I'm like, nah, 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 nah. He somehow flicks the ball back in when it's. In the stands yeah. And Dean Vare scores And it's like Oh that's what you mean I'm like yeah mate You can do things I can't I can do things you, you can't, can't. Yeah. Together we can do things I was going to talk about that That play Because I, I quite often look at a guy Like Adam Reynolds and, and yourself You're the same Everything looks so perfect all the time But sometimes it's your Unorthodox kicks that Like like that kick looked ugly putrid. It looked disgusting <laughs> It was putrid But it was in the right spot At the right time Just to force the Roosters To make a bad decision Well it was so Gus, um, Gus had a massive part of my career. Yeah, he coached me my first week. Yeah, uh, my first try assist was because of Gus. The plan was to pass out the back off a tap, cross kick field to um, Joel Monaghan, and then well, sticky switch. But Mossy was there, and Mossy scored. Um, but Gus had tipped me up. He said, "Mini hates coming round to get the ball, so he'll always charge." Everyone knows the great highlights of kick comes down, many charges onto it, runs back. But if you find ground, he always has to come around to get it. So if you go back and watch that game, I kick one close to the sideline and many slides in and sort of half, you know, gets – I think he got the ball and then went close to the sideline or we may have even put him into touch. So the next time down, it's not a great kick, but the purpose was for – many was our position to try and get him to come around and get it so we can throw him into touch again and he just gets our position. It's that sort of shit that I feel like kickers nowadays don't know about their fullbacks. Well, they don't watch footy, man. It's cool not to watch footy now. Like my wife, God bless her soul, watches eight games with me every week. Yeah. And sometimes we sit there and we realise when it's a shit game. But, yeah, when I first met her, she loved footy. She loves footy, mate. Like she would sit here and she might not watch many podcasts or listen to any shit that I talk about. Yeah. She'll probably listen to this. Good. <laughs> Someone dramatic. will. Someone will. All the over 30s will because they'll find this interesting. But it's cool not to watch footy now, mate. Yeah, you know, Me and you could sit here literally for days mm. with a case of bloke and we would just talk about, yeah, the greatest tries. Cliffy Lyons. Someone asked me about Cliffy Lyons. I said, scored the greatest try ever. Oh, what do you mean? When he handles it three times in the 90-90 kangaroo tour. You haven't seen it? You've got a YouTuber, mate. Come PT on. back on the inside. Yeah, back on yeah. the inside. The kick, you know, like this – yeah, it's 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 a weird time, man. Yeah, they just there's so many other options out there, and um, you got to love the game. And Ricky Stewart taught me that. I was out watching my brother play gridiron. Yeah, and and that used to be because back in the day, like you preps your own time. Wayne taught me that, so you do whatever you do to get ready. And I went and watched him play, and Sticky said, "Did you rang me?" I'm like, "Ricky Stewart, did you see that from Lockie?" And I went, "Huh? No, I'm out watching my." Brother played green. He's like, you should be at home watching footy, blah, blah, blah. And I went, saw it two ways. At the time, I went, mate, relax. Like, 
I've got a game tomorrow, I do my own prep. But the other part was like, am I watching enough? So from that day dot, I was like, yeah, I can take time off, but I've also got to make sure I get my study in. Yeah. And I wasn't a great, I was a shit trainer, I wasn't fit, and I didn't do a lot of self-reviewing video because I'd already watched the game three times. So I didn't cut a lot of stuff. That was when it was starting to come in with Analyzer. Yeah. But I just have this uncanny knack and, and not being arrogant or anything like that is that I could watch a game or I could watch a team similar to yourself when you watch a kid play now you can see their style yeah it's just we've watched enough footy i can see their style i can break down a game for you fine but it is going to be interesting in 30 40 years time where are those people going to be like there's just there's not we'll enough be old. around anymore we'll be old. yeah 100 percent. but i mean we're not going to be around forever no nah. and, and i'm teaching the girls now like the girls' game is, is exploding, and we love it, right? We absolutely love it because there's a part of us, and I know you'll appreciate this, is there's that little bit of element of, of rawity about it that we saw as 16-year-olds. We played. There's not as much structure. It's fast-paced. You know, there's still girls learning their skills, so there's going to be mistakes, and there's also going to be amazing bits of skill that just happen. You go, how'd that happen? The ball's going to bounce, and there's not going to be three people who've previewed that they know where the ball's going to bounce it's going to be a bit of a lottery right so i'm teaching the girls that um to be professional if you want it to be professional this is how it's going to be yep one of my good mates now i absolutely love the bloke he came in here in the preseason jackson hastings he's one of us yeah i'll be sitting there on a saturday and at fucking 5 34 he'll send me a message about i play the ball or about yep. this because he's watching everything and i remember when he signed with the newcastle knights he was sitting there yeah. When it all happened, he was sitting there. And he literally said to me and Maddie about, and like, he didn't know he was signing Newcastle. It came up in a, yeah. in a week. And he spoke that day straight away about how he was going to utilise Bradman Best. Yep. And how he hadn't been utilised properly. And just the way he was going to get the ball and whatnot. And just watching how that's played out to the point where Bradman Best now plays Origin. Yep. Off the back of who's his halfback on that edge, who's actually unlocked him and utilised him properly. And it's just that little shit I worry about that we're going to lose in our game. Because there's so many less Jacksons around nowadays, it's not even funny. Well, firstly, we need a group chat, so you'll have to start that. <laughs> oh, God, um, yeah. But the, the thing I, I like about – and I, I reached out to Jackson because I think I see a lot of myself in him mm -hmm. my older years in terms of, um, yeah, we probably said and did things that we probably look back on and wish we'd handled it differently, but yep. our ego probably got in the way a little bit, and, and I had that with Hook. You know, I didn't know what ego was until Hook came and then – I was out of my ass in London and I retired, yeah. but working with him as a man and, you know, I credit Hook to what I've been able to achieve in terms of after footy by taking that ego out and realising that stuff. And I look at Jacko and I just think, like, um, he's got so much footy knowledge and understanding that at times he forgets to worry about himself. Yep. And there's other times where he probably is himself too much and doesn't get other guys involved so yeah what he's been able to do with Bradman this year is is understand and take control back to what we said you need the ball Bradman yeah okay what does the team need and how do I make that split decision yeah Katani Staggs and Reynolds Staggs would you say Staggs is having a good year don't look at your super coach uh not really to be honest Herbie Farnworth's playing better he, he's the strike center at that yeah. club so yeah. Ezra is understanding that they can play to that side whereas Katoni Staggs is more drops double drops you know second phase sort of play back of the field so 
you know, for, for Adam at the moment, he's got to understand, and he's probably working on it, is you can't just throw the centre of the ball anymore. Mm. You've got to work and manipulate and all that stuff. But the other part of it is that they know they're in for a battle when they face Katoni. They've got to be strong defensively, and they can't let him skip on the outside. So they stand to the outside all the time. Mm. So how do you manipulate that? Because everyone does video. Yeah. How do you manipulate that and get him involved? So the times that he looked really good is when he's come back in on an angle, skims back across, and then you play and you've got Ezra, Walsh, and Farmworth on that left-hand side. I found, sort of t- talking about a strike centre, you obviously had Mark Gasnier return in 2010. And I did find it interesting the amount of times you got to use him, turning him under. Yeah. Something I really noticed towards the back end of 2010, which was never really part of his game in the early parts. It was all... Get him the ball as quickly as he possibly can. Shimmy, shimmy, then yep. he'll do his thing. But it was something that I noticed that especially Darius would quite often turn him under as well. Is that something you guys identified with him that was better to utilise him? Or is that how teams were defending him? Or Yeah, I think, like I said, when before Gaz left, you know, I was very much, oh, my God, that's Mark Gaz now. Just yep. getting the ball. This is his club. You know, I wasn't insecure about my position in first grade. When he came back, I was established – in first grade and in the competition. So I understood that when we had plays to his side, he'd be, I mean, in that Tigers semi-final, they kept coming up and in. And the first half, I don't think he touched the ball. Um, so second half, you know, he just said, you got to throw it. you got to trust me. Like Lockie's, Lottie Takiri's not even looking at the intercept. He's just, so we just went up and in. Chris Lawrence, yeah, we threw it and we played. So there's times like that where, I think Gaz matured in that where he was able to say when he needed the ball versus when he wanted the ball. But Darbs um, during drop plays and, and all that kind of stuff was because Gaz is big. Like if you stand next to Mark Gaz now, he is big and strong and fast. So, again, if we're talking about, um, you know, on an edge, you look at the way that's Gaz's centre – once we'd played and the guy had chased out, the half started to chase Darius, we're trying to not work on this area. We're trying to work on this area where the half has left the back row who's made 35 tackles and had five carries, six carries, seven carries. So we're trying to stretch that gap. So if he overchases, now we've got a front rower with feet. Yeah. So instead of working on people that train for feet, we get Gaz back in here and change of angle at speed. Plus, the other side, if, if it was Darius that wasn't there, we could just instantly go to that left-hand side, which was like money. For two years, Brett Morris scored 50 tries, I think, and it was just money on that, le- on that edge. Did the greatest winger ever? Yes. Yep. Name another winger that longevity-wise reinvented himself so many times. He played fullback. He was fast, lightning fast, could score tries. Defensively, what he did at the Roosters in 2019, or I think it was, was unbelievable. He's on my short list of unluckiest guys to not win a Clive Churchill medal that night for the Roosters. Yeah, He was incredible. Jack White won it for his kicking game. Who took care of his kicking game all night? Brett Morris. Yeah. And the thing about – I would argue the Raiders win that grand final if there was any other winger in the history of rugby league on the on the right, right wing for the Roosters that night. Well, I think sometimes – and you can have an opinion on this. We don't give Beamos the credit because he wasn't big. Yeah. So we, we look to the big – and there's been some amazing wingers, don't get me wrong, but what Beamos did, the way that he'd kick return, he, he would burn you. If you if you were to argue he's not the best winger ever, I don't think you could possibly push back on 
him not being like he's the most consistent winger I've ever seen. Yes, and there is no questions. I, I, I won't hear any other names. No, no, no questions whatsoever. No. Can I ask you, mate? When I look back at your career, I'm interested to hear what your moment is. But if I had to pick one moment that was like a general play kick, not a not a conversion, not a field goal, the kick that stands out to me is to Gaznier in the grand final. I want to hear you break it down. Because there's, there's some technical stuff that's really well, And you know what? I, I, I'm pretty confident they're above my head. But I just remember, as soon as that ball left your foot, I just remember thinking, they cannot defend that. Yeah. It only ends one way. And you do not see it very often where a kick from, you were probably, I would say you're about 10 metres to the side of the left yep. stick, left side of the sticks. You, it's very rare that you see a ball. Like, if I saw that ball kicked like that by a guy on Friday night, I would almost go, oh, it's going in the middle of the ingles. That's a shit yeah. kick. But it was so perfect that the Roosters couldn't do fucking shit about <laughs> it. And even the angle that Gazny is able to catch the ball, you don't know, like there was only ever one person that was able to catch that ball and it was Gaz. Yeah. Was that worked on in the weeks yes. leading up to it? Yeah. The week of. Yeah. Week of, we called it Frenchie. Um technically it's a shit kick. It's a really bad kick. I'm falling off the ball, which doesn't give you the um, tempo to be able to feel it. I'm sure if you text Jacko and ask him, yeah, when you go towards your target on a kick like that, you can feel the ball when it hits a foot. When you're yep. falling away, you're trying to make up that power and direction. Um, but we'd practiced it. And I remember, it's funny, you remember in Coach Carter when um, the coach is running the plays and he's going, yeah, that's my play. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, I did that. I designed that. Like, <laughs> we'd done Frenchie and we did it. We'd probably practiced it maybe 15 times and like, had the cameras off and you just see the wily old fox he's just got the sun he's on he's like yeah he goes yeah because our game plan was to kick the bj Leilua exclusively don't worry about minicello just kick unfortunately for BJ, the whole game plan that day looked to be built around him yeah because we well the we didn't plan to attack him we had planned to kick to him and tire him out and then off the back of that at half time we made some adjustments around okay i think if you look at that second, like the Gaz catch was better than the kick, I reckon. Um, but if you look at the first set after half time, people ask me, what was the turning point? Was it Wayne at half time? I was like, yep. You know, it was a simple message. You just have to win the second half. And I was like, thanks, Scoop. Like, yeah. yeah. But the first set after half time, I nailed a general play kick that found the grass that finished two metres out from the try line. That was the set. Because then everyone went, <sighs> We're back. Why? Because that was our that was our plan A. Mm. Yeah, in, in the first half, we'd got that try pretty early. Like, explain to the people at home that wouldn't understand, what's the domino effect of, of you finding the turf on that kick? So, Minicello and, and Leilua have to go back and get it. And if you watch our kick chase line, we come down and form one line. And then from that, we assert dominance, not for the next – now, you you could assert it for the next maybe couple of minutes. We assert dominance for the next 35 minutes just off based off that because they knew that they had to go back and get the ball 50 metres and our line coming out of straight out of half time was ready to go. We weren't just going to like kick and go high and let BJ bring it back. We found the grass and that's why I say it's under, undervalued finding the grass. Before you kick that ball, what do you say? Is it BJ's positioning? Is it Minnie's positioning? What, 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 what is it to you that in that moment – Tick something in your head that goes, this is the play I need here. Yeah, so Minnie's always, or a fullback's always going to cheat to me on my right shoulder because I'm left-footed. So I think 
Minnie's always standing centre field and BJ's starting to track back. So really, I've got a small margin for error where I'm kicking in between. So let's just say that Minnie's here. Now BJ's got to respect the run because we've got Gaz, right? So when he starts to track back to there, I've started to get that part of the angle. So if you watch that kick, it's actually not a high kick to try and get ground. I wanted to purposely find the ground. One, because I remembered... Um, that we wanted to kick the BJ, but I want to find the ground so that we can start to get our kick chase on. Parrot's coming from the other side to get the footy. So with him jumping around and bouncing around, we don't give him a chance to beat, you know, guys in the middle, Ben Cray, all that kind of stuff. So as the gap closes and he goes back to get the ball, he ends up coming back to get it, and our line's formed. They've got two people behind the ball. And then we assert dominance for pretty much the next 40 minutes. I don't think they got in our half until the last seven in our, in our 20. Something I find when, when I'm coaching with halves, a lot of them in that moment would put the emphasis on fine touch there. No. Nah. And I always just think, no, 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 no. You want to you win that that kick by keeping it in play and then winning those next six yeah. tackles, which I think is very un- – I, th- I think you quite often when, – when, when you're sitting at the pub and s- someone finds touch and, like, in my head I sit there and go, no, nah, sh- should have kept yeah. that in play. That, well, that, that was a moment you could win momentum and you hear people all the time, great kick, found touch, how good. Well, it did two things. It's a minute after half time. Mm. And secondly, the Roosters had to go back and look at us coming for them. We hadn't played how we wanted to in the first half. Um, we conceded, I would say, you know, the Orbison try was silky play. We just yep. got us. And the Braith and Astor try probably cancels out the Gaz try that we went into touch, right? So, um, yeah, once they see that wall, there would have been that sense of, you know, when there's a Cinderella story and it's like, we can win today, we can win today, we can win today. Something goes wrong. No, no, we can win today, we can win today. Holy shit, can we win today? That was that can we win today moment. The moment in that grand final, you kicked the goal sort of from that, that awkward spot that all, all kickers talk about. And I think it's probably the most emotional six seconds I see from you in your career. Explain that moment to me. Yeah, I think it takes us out to 18 8. Um, yeah, I get goosebumps because I felt like. Um, I think I've always wanted to be respected, right? Everyone wants to get respect. And I give so much respect to people throughout the years. And I felt like in that moment, I was close to getting some redemption or all respect and like you don't have to like me you don't that's fine i i've got enough friends i tell the girls all the time i'm not here to be your friend but in terms of respect for my game because i'd worked just as hard as anyone else you know i'd worked i'd done the hours so to make that kick and and be holy shit this is happening you know i felt like that was my turn to get a little bit of respect. And, and that's not in an arrogant way. We're allowed to want things and we're allowed to say things. Too often we're criticised for that stuff. You know, the Gus five-year plan, like everyone has a five-year plan. You know where you want to be in five years? I know where I want to be in five years. If you don't have a five-year plan, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that's right. So I felt like there was a bit of redemption in that moment for all the people that he can't tackle, he doesn't run the footy, all he does is kick field goals, like all that stuff. And it's like, well... Screw you. <laughs> I've just kicked the goal in the middle of the rain. I've kicked six from seven. And I'm about to wear a ring for one of the fam- most famous brands, not in Australia, in the world. 
What did it mean to you to have the, the full backing of Wayne Bennett? He trusted me mm. and I trusted him. And I think that's all you can ask when you've got players that trust you. And I'm trying to instill that into the girls of um, we can all go out and train and we can all that stuff. But in crucial moments, knowing that Wayne, two, six, eight, field goal. Yeah, he, World Club Challenge, um, BMOS makes a break. Wayne didn't coach. He came home because his mum was sick. And BMOS made a break and we had seven on maybe three overlap. Score was 20 to 15. I knock a field goal over from 21 out. Yeah, 21 15. Coops, uh, sorry, Gaz, boys blowing up. Yeah. Buzzer. Get in the sheds after the game. Wiley old fox rings me and he goes, Why'd you kick the field goal? I said, Well, mate, with, at that time, we can't lose if I kick the field goal. We can tie and I'm confident we win, but we can't lose. And he goes, Enjoy honkers. And I did. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Whatsoever. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, I've got the greatest coach of all time ringing me saying that, not that I made the right decision, but that he trusted me to make the right decision. Obviously a number of decisions in your life and career lead up to you being paired up with Wayne Bennett. If that wouldn't have ever happened, ever happened how do you think your career would, would have played out if Wayne wouldn't have entered your life and your career? Maybe 60 or 70 games. Mm. Um, what if, potentially? Yeah, Wayne taught me a lot about off-field and, um, yeah, your prep's your own time is, is a favourite saying of mine. There's clips of Dell dancing around the sheds while I'm yawning. like, And not that I was tired, just I'm focused on what I need to do. So I, I think back to, you know, I'd already sort of half-established that I was going to play NRL, but maybe 60, 70 games. You look what he's done. Cody Walker is a fantastic player, but being the experience under Wayne and the lessons that he learned, plus Jason Dimitri from me, I don't know anything about their program, but he hasn't looked like he's just wiped exactly what Wayne did. Yep. He's taken a fair chunk of that and driven some of that stuff and just slowly sprinkled in some stuff within their team. Which sounds easy. Yeah, it's uh, hard. Not many coaches have been able to do it. No, and that's where me and Pricey probably fell out. Yeah. Is, you know, I moved back to the left-hand side of the field. You know, I wasn't tough enough all of a sudden, you know. And, and I've, you know, now me and Pricey, we'd catch up for a beer. Of, you know, when I retired, I realised that my ego had gotten in the way of a lot of things. And, you know, I reached out to certain people that I probably um, had made some mistakes with or not, um, you know, be my ve best version of. Yeah, and Hook was one of those guys, which is why me and Hook got a fantastic relationship mm. now. And, yeah, when I met Maddie, things became a lot simpler to how I was before rugby league. Mm. So rugby league's given me everything, but it's also taught me a lot of shit that I probably wouldn't be good at. Tends to be my favourite part of the career of Harbs, and I look at Sean Johnson at the moment. Uh, he's obviously, you know, come full circle, and now he's at a point where nothing surprises him. He's seen it all before. The game's in slow motion for him. And as much as I love 2010, it was unbelievable. My favourite part of your career was Panthers, without a fucking doubt. You had this bunch of young kids coming through with you and it just looked like, similar to DCE, similar to Sean Johnson, you just felt like the game was in slow motion for you. Did you feel that way? In 14, yeah. I'd come back from England and I did Kokoda with um, Ivan and Pasco and Tim Grant and I was overweight because I'd, done England <laughs> you know and 
um, trained to a point, but it just felt like the game not had slowed down, but visually, like, I felt like I was in control again. And I had a bit of a point to prove. I always played my best when I had a point to prove. Um, so, yeah, that 14 year, like you say, you enjoy that. I, I After 14, I didn't enjoy Penrith, like mentally, mm. physically. I'd had three back surgeries in six months. So I was dealing with divorce, depression, anxiety, you know, issues away from the game. Um, yeah, it sort of all stopped. And I worked really hard in 16. But I think the best thing about that 14 team and Ivan was he put a lot of responsibility on you to be ready. And he was he was going to help you. But he put a lot – like we do our own video for edges. I've never been to another club that does a lot of that. Yeah, right. So his coaches would cut – yeah, we had systems in place. They'd have 20 clips. Our left, or our, right, our left edge, sorry, would go in and cut what we needed to and then present to the team based off that theory of, well, if I can't tell you what I need to stop this play, how are we going to do that? From your experiences with Ivan, obviously see where he is now and what he's achieved. Where do you think his coaching career finishes? Has he finishes one of the greats, greats? Yeah, definitely. I yeah. think, you know, the thing with Ive was 11 probably, you know, happened really quickly at the Warriors and – at the Dragons, we feel like we left that one on the table. Mm. We feel like that was origin. If we don't play origin that year, all eight of us, and maybe four of us, we think we win. Um, no disrespect to Manly or, or the Warriors. But, um, yeah, I've got a lot of time for Ivan. I know that you know, when he got sacked and, and all that kind of stuff, like, but he'd reach out to me. He knew I was doing it tough. He'd come around with Wall and watch origin and, you know, his favourite saying is it's a grey game. It's not black and white, it's a grey game. You know, you've got to make your own decisions and, and all that kind of stuff. But the way that he coaches and, and now to see what he's doing with his son is obviously an amazing thing. But I could see them getting another two titles in the next maybe five or six years, maybe one this year, which is a three-peat, which is up there with Bulls territory. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. and to think that they're all 24. It's ter- yeah. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to his son in a moment, but the thing that stands out with me with Ivan is that he's consistently coaching the team that he has, yeah. the team that he wants. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a hallmark of great coaches that they've got the confidence just to be able to coach the guys they've had to what their skill sets are. And it sounds like you've been lucky enough to have a lot of coaches that have been able to do that throughout their career. Yeah, we'll look at 2010 compared to 2005 and six. Like, I'm not breaking news here that. 0506 Dragons team was silky and compare it to 2010 but like you heard Matty say 11.8 points yeah he coached the team that he had so um, that's why pundits and everyone has an opinions on teams and stuff and probably having a little shot at the NRLW people here but like you don't know what you've got or what other people have got and how they're going to do it so um, yeah you coach the team that you have to what your style is as well and what your philosophies are. It's interesting with Wayne and like what he's doing up at the Dolphins right now. And you know what? They might not make finals though, you know, but what they've done and how they've played their rugby league has just got Wayne Bennett written all over it. And I think when we look back through the history of premiership winning sides, I think unfairly your side, people are going to look at it in 30 years and go, you know, there's no immortals in there. There's none of the greatest players of all time. 
but I would back your team in against fucking anyone. <laughs> Absolutely anyone. And people that weren't at old enough to remember or old enough to be alive or old enough to really understand how you guys played, I think you'll always be probably the most underappreciated premiership winning side of That's all cool. time. That's cool. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, it's the great. The ring's still on the finger. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But I, I just I think, think it's so yeah. interesting that if you get footy, you get the 2010 Dragons. Yeah. If you don't, you don't. Yeah, and that, like you said, where's that going to be in 30, 40 years? Yeah, because we will be the team that took the two all the time, not the team that had the best attack and defence. Like, people talk about our defensive stuff that year. We are a pretty good attacking side as well. You were, yeah. yeah. Average points per game. Um, we just went about it a different way. Wayne through and through. Yep. To me. And, and people talk about, like, I was probably a product of Wayne. I think Cody Walker's a product of Wayne. Hamaso Tabuafido is, for me, and I'm not speaking out of school here, but, like, he was, like, the me version of the Dragons. At the Cowboys, is he a fullback? Is he a wing? Is he a centre? He's fast. Yep. Well, no, hold on a second. <laughs> He's pretty tough. He knows how to play footy, and look what Wayne's done with him. So that's that's what I see in Hammerset. In Hammerset, uh, the start of that sentence was me six months ago. Yeah, is he a fullback? Is he a centre? I, I don't know. He doesn't even know what he is. Nah. It'd be interesting to see what Wayne does. And I mean, like he he, he for me now. Like I remember thinking when the Dolphins signed him, oh, is he a marquee player? I don't know. Now I'm looking at the next ten years of Origin, going, this motherfucker is going to yeah. terrorise me. He's yeah. going to keep me awake at night, and might not even play his preferred position there. Scores what six Probably tries, won't, five he doesn't tries need in to. five games in, in centre. Yeah, yeah, that's what. Again, sidetrack origin, but like, did we match up trying to put people out of position to match them out of position? Not knowing that Val Holmes has played centre a lot longer. Yeah, so yeah. I don't know. That's another pod. Yeah, <laughs> not this one. Too <laughs> much for free, mate. I, I nominated your grand, your general play kick to Gaznier as my favourite. So I'd play throughout your career. Is there a general play kick that stands out to you? Oh, um, there was a probably not one that stands out, but there was a cool one over in Auckland where Benny Hornby passed me the ball, and I sort of just caught it on the half volley and kicked for the corner for Nightingale diving. Unbelievable catch! Unbelievable catch! Ripper and yeah. like. Back to that whole Freddie thing, like it just had to be perfect. Yeah, it just couldn't be. Yeah, you know, the Dallin one's special, but he he makes the play. It was a shit kick, but I felt like that kick to ninety. And like we used to do the half. It was in the rain too, wasn't it? Yeah, in the rain. Yeah. You know, tough environment. But we used to do like the half. You know, now how you see, like they try and isolate um, the fullback right now to kick to try and challenge for one on one. I'm not going to say we started it, but I felt like we sort of did have a plan around that. Like we'd get Jason off the wing, like a little half bomb, we'd call it, like a little half cage. Yeah. yeah. And we did it to, I think we did it to Lance O'Hire over there and we did it in Newcastle where it came off the post. So I felt like those kicks and and that cool stuff, I had great chases, mate. I had great chases. You're talking about my kicking game all day, but without – those guys chasing and believing me and that that's the other half of being a great kicker is having those guys trust you that you're going to put on the money yeah let's move to your goal kicking mate because <laughs> we you spoke about previously that um was your stepfather sort of told, told you to really take that seriously and try to build that part of your game i i look back at your career and your goal kicking, and i i, I personally 
from sitting in the stands. I never remember you really going through a rut of bad goal kicking or like getting the yips or something. And I'm interested to hear from your point of yeah. view if you've ever had those periods because I maybe I, I just don't recall them. It's obviously not something you watch intently close with players, but I, I just sort of remember you being very consistent throughout your entire career. So my first goal kicking coach was um, I used to kick with Fitzy, Craig Fitzgibbon, yep. and then Chalk Halligan. Uh, then Good I went. Pedigree. Away, yep. When I went to the Dragons, 07, I had the yips bad. Okay. Because they got me across, and I just remember kicking one in Wollongong that was like, <laughs> "Are you a goal kicker?" Yeah. You know those ones. And uh, I went and saw Kurt Wrigley was the goal kicking coach. I went and saw Graham Arnold, uh, Socceroos coach at Cogra, and he and I was in this like crouching over and doing all this shit and. It goes in trends, right? So I probably didn't have a style. I just goal kick because I was good at it and no one else really took it off me. Um, but even like Gaz would kick in 07 slash 08, you know, Brownie had a thing where Gaz would kick outside the 20 and I'd kick inside the 20 to, uh, off the percentages. Yep. So if it was in the 20, we'd be like, who's kicking? Yeah. But Graham Arnold explained to me about momentum into the ball and – Talked about Cristiano Ronaldo. You never see him walk up to the ball and then try and catch up the speed to go in and kick it. And, yeah, once I got to Graham and I kicked with a soccer ball and I worked with Chook out at Penrith again, but he just – I'll just never forget that. Movement into the ball, positive chest up, you know, working your angles. So if I was on the left-hand side or right-hand side of the field, which is my good side – I'd taken the stuff from Chook's coaching about being up at left post and black dot and all my momentum going that way and the work of Graham Arnold being angles. So I was always parallel straight to the ball but parallel to the trial, uh, to the sidelines. When I was on the other side, I was north-south, mm. you know, going that way and my channel was still the same but I'd approach the ball the same. So when you saw me do all the kicking the feet and all that march, nothing had changed. It was just my little OCD stuff to go straight that angle to the ball. And then it ended up, like I didn't take it to Penrith because it was just this Dragons march. I don't know, it just became, so I played on a little bit, but um, it just ended up holding me in good stead. Movement into the ball and then angles, get your angles straight, take Graham Arnold's part, put it in with Chook's part about the, the avenue of where to be at left post, all your momentum going up left post, that's it. Who's the goal kicker you love watching the most nowadays? I love watching Zach. Yeah. I know he's had a rough year, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone strike the ball more cleanly than Zach. Um, you know, last year I think he kicked 24, 25 in a row, which is really hard to do. Um, but I look at guys now and, like, I spoke to a very good mate of mine who's a soccer nut, and he said the best striker in the comp is Tanner Boyd. He said his rhythm... The way that he strikes the ball, his most consistent strike. Now, sometimes we judge consistency by going through the post, of course, because mm. we need two points. But if you look at his overall style, he said Tanner Boyd, from all soccer reports and all blokes there, has the best strike in the game. But I love watching Cleary and Moses. You know, I think Moses has worked really hard on his goal kicking, which is cool. You know, to see that growth and you've got to want to do it. Goal kicking's boring, mate. You practice in front of front rowers who have one kick from the sideline after training and go, not that hard, bro. What are you doing, man? Like, you know, wingers come in. Like, everyone's having a go. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, Cleary's the ultimate 
goal kicker. Reynolds, I think, struggled a little bit this year. From yeah, he's a, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's that groin stuff playing up or he's trying to kick it too hard, but I think the best kicker right now is Cleary. Cleary. I look at uh, Newcastle at the start Val of the Holmes year. Is good too. I was about to say Val Holmes is my favourite striker of the ball. Yeah, he's like a four iron. They yeah. just go. Yeah. I look at Newcastle start of the year, and I, you know, no one else at home probably gave a shit, but I thought it was interesting that they would have one side of the field, Lockie Miller would kick, the other side of the field, Cape, um, Jackson Hastings would kick, yeah. and I do wonder if that's potentially the future for goal kicking. What are your thoughts on that? Nah, don't like it. Oh well. Nah, because then it's like the halves now. Like, you'd be coaching halves now or centres that go, what position do you play, mate? Oh, right centre. Great. I've got a right centre. Mm. So you can't play left centre. You can't play left wing. I don't ask girls where they play. Like, I've got my wingers that are starting this weekend. They've come down to me. One started in the back row. The other one, yeah, we didn't even – I said, what wing do you play? She goes, oh, I just play wing. I said, great. Yeah, okay. Why, why limit someone? Yeah, it was one of the other things with Huey. Like, why are you going to say you're a right-sided half? You know, I won a comp on – it defies logic that a left-foot kicker would win a competition playing on the right-hand side of the field. When mm. I'm left-handed, by the way. Doesn't yeah, that's it? fair. Yeah. You know, but yeah. you look at some of the tries we scored that year, long pass over the top to Dell in 09, long pass, you know, like – because I'm left-handed. Yeah. I'd worked hard at that side. That side was always going to be easy, but I'd worked harder on that. And you don't see the big cutout passes. Like they call it the Harbour Bridge Pass now. You know what? It's actually not a good pass if it's a Harbour Bridge Pass. All right? In touch, it's a good pass. I used to watch Joe Williams step, snap, 30 metres, probably that high. That's a great pass. The Harbour Bridge Pass now is because wingers are so tall. Yeah. But everyone acts like, Oh, it's a great pass. It's like it's been happening for ten or fifteen years. You got to go back and look at it. You're um you're a pretty handy touch player, weren't you? Yeah, played for Australia. Played Cook. Uh, played against the Cook Islands in '02. Loved it. If I'm, yeah. t- if I'm any any young um, up and coming female male that wants to play NRL NRLW, go and play touch. And the proof's in the pudding. If you could have played. You know, same career you did with you know money, et cetera, et cetera, as toucher and as an NRL player. What, what what did you prefer to play? I love. I grew up playing touch because I love the skill of it, yep. and the manipulation of how to get people. And I had a, I, my best mates are all touchies, yep. and that was a tight bond coming from Wagga. But I mean, the NRL when you play Origin and you date. Debut at Suncorp, and you've watched all the old Winfield classic VHSs of Lewis, Kenny, you know, all those guys and all that history. And I got a chance to debut at Suncorp. Ain't happening in touch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, um, yeah, league for me. Like, it was always going to be league, but, yeah, touch was, was, it's, I played in the off season to hone my skills and my passing and, yeah, if I didn't have a shit back, I'd I'd be still playing touch. We were out at uh, Parramatta Stadium a few weeks ago, and uh, Parramatta had the eighty, uh, the 81, 82, 83 sides there. And like, I've I've obviously spent a lot of time now in studio talking to players and whatnot. But mate, when I saw Brett Kenny, 
I still myself just went, oh, I don't even know what I'd say to this guy. Yeah. I don't even know what I'd say. Whereas I think the vast majority of players now, a lot of them could walk past Brett Kenny and not realise who he was. Well, Dallin, DWZ, at a trial in 14, we played out at Camden, I think it was. I was talking to Mick Potter. And Dallin comes up to me and goes... How underrated is Mick Potter as a footballer? Dallin comes up to me and goes, who's that? And I said, mate... <laughs> So get away from me right now. Two yeah. Dally M's at two clubs? Two, yeah, two Dally M's at two clubs. Um, one of the first people to wear the torpedoes, I think. But yeah. just a gun, centre, fullback, you know. But um, it, it's funny. Uh, Cliffy Lyons came into All-Stars camp that first year with JT and that. Gun, you could play. Won't play unless your money's on the table, but gun, you could play. And I got a chance to pair up with him. And I seen him at a state cup a couple of years later and – they're about to tip off for the final. And I just yelled out, hey, Unc, like that. And he come running over. And, like, I was nervous, cause I, but I was sort of trying to show off a bit. I had my father-in-law with me. Yeah. And he goes, oh, there's Cliffy Lyons. And I said, oh, say hello to him, hey, Unc, how you going, like that. He brings the ball over to the fence. He goes, hey, guys, how you going, what have you been up to? How'd you go? I said, oh, we got knocked out. He goes, yeah, all right, what else has been happening? Like, he's talking. The siren goes to tap off. No one says a thing. They just wait. He goes, oh, I better go out there. I've got to win this game like that. So he goes out, runs out, taps off. And then it was just like, I love being able to do that. We did the same Eric Growth Senior at the casino with my father-in-law. We, um, the OG years. guru. Yeah, the, the OG. The real guru. The real guru. And I just sort of said, g'day, mate. And that's what I love about probably the old school guys is you're a part of that fraternity now. You know, you're a part of that. They might not have liked your style, or but I think the overall respect of what we have, okay, well, you played first grade. That's hard to do. And I love the fact that we can, that I still get giddy over that stuff. It's special. It is. It's cool. Yeah. Goal kicks. If you had to pick like three in your career that stand out to you, Penrith to send us to go, uh, to, then I kick a field goal in Roosters, 14. Everyone says, oh, mad field goal. I said, no, the biggest kick was the goal from the sideline because otherwise without that, we're chasing another try. Yeah. Um, 2011, semi-final against the Bronx to send us into Golden Point. And that was the night. Uh, was that the night that Lockie? Lockie broke his cheek. Yeah. Which is why, because we felt like we had the style to play Manly pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then the other one was... <sighs> I'd say probably that Melbourne one. I never won in Melbourne my whole career. You but never, never won down there? Never. But that, that kick to send us to Golden Point in 09 was pretty big. I often, when, when I think about the, your your Dragon side, I always think that 09 sort of the one that got away. Nah. But you seem to put a lot more emphasis on the 11. Yeah, well, 09, I remember going to sleep like a month earlier. I've told Maddie this story. is like, we're going to be a premiership winner. Like, no one was coming close to us. I knew that it was going to be tough, but I was like, this is happening. This yeah. is really cool. It's happening fast. First year, Wayne. You know, I'd played pretty good that year. I think I finished high up in the Dally M's. Yep. And all of a sudden, we beat Para 37-0. Beat my scores a hat-trick, gets a try-scoring trophy. It's party time. Oh, shit, we're on a plane to Brisbane. Oh, shit, we're at a bar Adapto, sink and piss. 10, we were motivated. 11, origin. Yeah, just cruel to us. Just, it's just you're, you're a different beast out of origin. That's why 
a lot of conjecture around when Origin should be. Just have a three-week break. Bang, bang, bang. You've got enough rep teams and you can play 17s, 19s, reserve grade, men's, you know, women's, have our women's season at the start of the year and have the Origin time at the end of the year. Like, we don't – the players go through so much during Origin that it, it hurts you. I nearly got dropped out of Origin. Yeah, we lost right. four in a row and – Wayne just said, I think three in a row, Wayne just said, mate, you you dropped this week. I was like, mate, I played Origin last month. He's like, nah, you're not you. Yeah, you look tired. I went home, cried, and come back the next day and told him. He said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm playing. He goes, no, you're not. I said, I'm playing, mate. He goes, all right, good. He smiled and, yeah. It's it's hard, man. You're in camp. It's a different beast. You're emotionally, if you win the series, I didn't win the series, but we lost the series and, that was when Queensland were on a yep. streak. So, and I think the footy suffers for it on the weekend. I don't know if you agree, but... I'll tell you who does agree. Big boy down there. No one's more vocal about it than the water boy. Yeah, and the other part of it is, like, what reward do the teams up the top get for the start to the season when they have to play a team that's down the bottom without their players? There's no reward for it. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. And plus, now... At the Dragons, we had our buy round one, mate. There's still Cowboys have still got another buy. Broncos have got another buy in two weeks, so they get a little freshen up right before the finals. I said it in the preseason. Doesn't make sense. Fuck the NRL better keep track of who has that round one fucking buy. If you guys ever go near a round one buy again, for seventeen years, bullshit. For seventeen, yeah, for seventeen years, yes, it should be. Dragons should not get that. They, I think next year the Dragons should should almost get to choose where their fucking buy is. Or just reverse it. Yeah. But, or, yeah, say that everyone's going to have one. Round gonna, one buy is one of the biggest kicks in the dick, imagine. Or everyone's going to have three weeks off during Origin. Yeah. Then teams can plan for it, Matty. Teams can plan for out of Origin to rest their guys if they need to. But they probably only need to rest them maybe a week or two weeks. Or they give them a game. Like, it's just, yeah. Anyway. Whilst we're on Origin, mate. One of my favourite moments of your career, and you know, I, I remember throughout your career, people often criticise you for not running enough. Yeah, fuck, I loved when you came off that left foot off the scrum there. <laughs> it's, it's one of my favourite moments in footy. I fucking loved it, and find Mini there to score unbelievable stuff. Run me through that moment. Shit kick. Uh, Thirty seconds before that. Yeah, I think Chucky Uate bats the ball back, and Gi knocks it on. Otherwise. It was heartbreak the other way. Yeah. We'll probably be trailing 14 12. Um, but we got lucky. And then I just remember Junior, I just wanted the ball and I was just going to run it. And I just saw wide. I think it was, might have even been Thiday coming across Lockie and Slater. And I knew Slater was going to break hard. So Junior, beautiful pass. Like, go back and watch the pass. Again, some of my biggest moments have been because of the skill before it. And. I just remember taking off, and I, once I got past the first one, I sort of thought, <laughs> I'm on. And then looking back, and my mates, I said, why don't you score? I said, mate, it's not about the percentage play was to find Mini there. Yeah. And Mini scored. Like, I didn't – I celebrated like I scored. Again, it's back to that win. I don't it's, – it's nice to be able to do your job and win. You don't have to be the headline. I'd watched probably every single game you'd play – from first grade to that point, and a lot of your reserve grade games, I did not expect you to run in that moment, if I'm nah. being honest. Like, it, it, it took me by surprise. Yeah, and I don't think 
like everyone says, it run. You you should have run more and all that. And, I, and you're like, yeah, okay, but there's there's a lot of things that going on mm. out there. A lot of guys want to run. Yep. Yeah, a lot of guys. But in that moment, I probably needed to run and and took it, which is good. Your kids are a little bit older in a few years' time. They can sort of understand your career, what you achieved, and everything. What will be the crowning moment to tell them about for you? When they were born. Yeah. Yeah. When they were born. When I married their mother. I don't. I love the fact that I play the game. The game continues to give me so much, and and I think I respect it to that point. Um, but you know, we lost the grand final last year against the Roosters, and for a week, Indiana remind me that we lost the grand final, and I didn't care. Yeah. And that's when I knew that I'd won. Like those girls. They love dressing up as dragons. They love the fact that daddy's the coach. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I, I love the fact that I get to share with dragons fans the premiership. That's that's really cool. And I think when they're a little bit older, they'll realise that when they go down to that museum at Colgra that daddy was a, a good player. Um, but, yeah, right now, they we went to Disney on ice the other day, mate, and... I spent the whole hour watching Indiana, watching her enjoy that moment. And, like, we're old school. My wife tapes everything. I do, like, one post and then I just watch them. So, yeah, I, I do I do wait for the day where they walk into the Cogger League Club and I walk in with them because they're starting to get a little bit old. Like, who's that guy, Daddy? How do you know that guy, Daddy? And I go, no, I don't, baby. It's just, yeah. yeah. But, no, the day that... Yeah, it all started marrying Maddie, and I don't know if I've got footy players though, mate. I've got Indiana's probably going to be a dancer or a performer. Ivy's definitely a footy player. She's rough as guts, mate. She's already missing a tooth. She just wants to fight everyone. <laughs> I don't, yeah. So, yeah. I think one of my favourite quotes from you, and probably a good spot to finish up, um, I'm not sure when it was. I read it a few years ago, and it stood out to me. Was I think you said something along the lines of, Having your two girls, it's fantastic just to have people that love you for you, not for kicking. Yeah. Not for premierships, not for any of that sort of shit. And um, for me, I think it showed how far you've come as a person. Yeah. And like I said, you know, um, in 15 and whatever, through, probably throughout my career, there's, there'd be stages where ego and, you know, certain things I'd done and the way I'd acted was, was not me. But this is the person I was before I came to Sydney, mm. you know, and – um, yeah, those girls, they don't care if I win or lose. Yeah, they they love daddy for daddy. They want to play footy at home and wrestle and paint nails and do all that stuff. So, um, yeah, mate, this has been really cool. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And I probably have to apologise to Maddie because 10-year-old me has been waiting for this interview for almost 20 <laughs> years and I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. Mate, shoot. No, 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 I, I was happy. I didn't want to ruin the flow. That was... Uh I that forgot he was here, actually. No, seriously, I felt like I was just on Spotify listening to myself. So, no, that was fantastic. Fantastic. I'm going to finish off with a little bit of trivia for you. Yeah. Throughout your career when you were playing halfback, you had 14 different 5.8s. How many can you name? Okay. Um, Craig Wing. When I was playing halfback, Craig Wing, Josh Lewis, Will Smith, Bryce Cartwright. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, when I was playing halfback. On. Fourteen. There's yeah, a couple NRL. of rogues in here. NRL. Yeah. Oh, Rangy Chase. Rangy Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how many is that? Five. <laughs> oh shit! Got a long way to go. Um, give us a hint on one of them. A couple of them. Uh, one of them. They wouldn't have been long stint. Like long a lot games. of them are very short stints. Uh, one of them was a centre. We've spoken about a lot today. Oh, Gaz. Gaz yeah. was one. Um. One was your halfback when you won the premiership. Yeah, Benny Hornby. Benny Hornby was yeah. one. Um, did you say Tyron Peachy? No. The Peach. Still to this day the most gifted, natural rugby Break. league player that I've ever played with. I've said before on the show, the first time I ever saw him was when he was playing for Cronulla. Do you remember that, that year where Cronulla's reserve grade was mixed with Melbourne? Yeah. The blue yep. strip with the purple down the side? I saw him make a line break where he went through, he tripped, he somersaulted and just came out of it and yep. just kept going. I just went, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And he used to wear the big sternum guy. And someone said, oh, last name's Peach. I went, oh, of course it is. Yeah. Yep. That makes complete sense now. Yep. I'm surprised he didn't do two somersaults. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Who were the others? So, Craig Wing. I had Wingy at the start. Braith and I, I'm just going through oh, the Braith list. Oh, Braith and Astor. Braith and Astor. Can I just say, Braith and Astor, the way that he's presenting and the way that he speaks is really refreshing to me. Killing it. Absolutely love Braith and Astor. Yeah. If you, a, a lot of people didn't like Braith throughout his career and maybe when he was commentating didn't like him, but mate, the way that he's handling himself on that show is unbelievable. Yeah. I had a chance to chat to him. Yeah, I wanted to catch up with him just for some life stuff really, but he's just, yeah. Like I just love the fact I could sit and listen to him analyse. Like when he's on Super Saturday and that, it's cool. Or Super Sunday, sorry, whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah. he's really cool. He's done very well for yeah. both. Yeah, I've got a lot of respect. So BA, it'd be a couple of obscure ones here. Josh Lewis. Yeah. Rangy Chase, you said yeah, got him. Rangy, yeah. Richie Williams. Don't think that ever happened. Really? Richie, Richie left the club when I got there in 07. Okay, I've got these stats from uh, NRL Odd Stats, one of the boys on Instagram, so I'll have to check that one up. Well, if, no, we never played together. No? Nah, because he, I when mm. I got there, that was his last game in first grade. Maybe thirteen then. Mark Gaznia. Yep. Ben Hornby. Yep. Peachy. Yep. Cartwright. Will Smith. Yep. I think the last four you didn't mention any of them. Appy. Coruscant. Yep. Yep. Isaac John. Oh, Ice. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Tomato Martin. Oh, I'm thinking. Yeah, well, I didn't think of anything at the back end of Penrith. Oh, and of course, who's the last one then? Well, Nathan Cleary, yep. but he was a seven. Well, I would say that in these games, it was when you wore, wore the seven, seven and he yeah. wore six, would yeah. be what it was. Yeah, well, tomorrow, uh, that's those last four. I mean, um, yeah, Ice was, yeah, I think he was underrated in what he, he was a fantastic ball runner. Yeah. I think our styles suited each other, but obviously me and Wall were in the halves. Um, tomorrow, 
Yeah, just a gun. Who was the one you said? Hold up, hold up, hold up. So apparently round 13 and 14, 2007, you played with With Richie Williams. Yep. Two games. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't (laughs) remember. Sorry, Richie. Sorry, Kaz. Fuck, he could play too. Yeah. He's so um, talented. I just, the last thing about Richie was when he bagged BA, you know, in that Anzac day. Yeah. Just come out and bagged him and the Roosters just ran right. I remember seeing him over in England. He, he set up a try where he turned a guy under and he flicked it around his yeah. back and caught it there and then just... Well, that was Rangy. Rangy chased his gun like that too. Yeah. He was... Yeah. Dude, very talented football yeah. there. Cardi, how good's Cardi going at the moment? Well, saying on Monday, like, Brad Arthur's got to get so much credit for what he's... Like, you think about all the back rowers he's brought in over the years between you know, Cartwright... Sure, mate. Sean Lane couldn't get in that team originally because yeah. Andrew Davey was killing it. Yeah. And, he, and he brought, you know, Isaiah Papali'i. Yeah. Uh, it, mate, everyone he has brought there as a back rower has been incredible. I think BA doesn't get the credit because they've got those guys, those high pay guys, and they haven't won yet. Yeah. But he's to the rugby league nuts. It's like you're doing a lot of good things. He walked in there and they were cheating and getting the wooden spoon. Yeah. Like, he walked into an absolute fucking disaster. Yeah. In the midst of that, lost Michael Jennings, had a lot of things go against him. And it's hard, isn't it it brutal in rugby league? Like, sometimes you get less criticism if you're ninth to 12th than you do if you're one to six. But if you're not winning a comp. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. You've started us up again. We'll be here all day. (laughs) That's bizarre. Mate, uh, we thank you very much for coming in. I've got a seeing suspicion it probably won't be the last time. I think we'll drag you in again at some point. Um, NRLW season just around the corner. Yeah, this week. Play uh, Saturday? Yeah, play nights Saturday. Premiership winners from last year. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited. I think, like, from my first year to this year, I'm so much more prepared. Yeah. And... I understand, like, I'm a lunatic in the box. Like, I'm an absolute lunatic. But I've learnt when not to waste energy in that as well. But I'm always going to ride the highs and lows. That's just who I am. And I said that, you know, not to sort of waffle on, but, you know, people that criticise me or don't like my coaching style, you know, when I got the job, my wife said, if you do it, this is her advice, if you do it, do it your way. Because I was like, oh... What if the girls don't like me swearing? What if the girls don't? She said, well, don't do it then. So do it, if you do it, do it your way. And, and I've had to um, temper some of that, surely. But do it your way, and, and I've done it that way. I love the way, mate, the thing that stood out from talking to you today and talking to you pre-game, we had a coffee, that you're not looking at the NRLW coaching job as a stepping stone to NRL. Yeah. You're all fucking in on this. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, and... Yeah, you asked about my girls. They wouldn't care where I'm coaching, but I care about the girls' game. I want to grow the women's game to the point where it is on mainstream every year and they are getting paid what they want. But to do that, I've got to be all in. I can't be seeing this as a job interview for somewhere else, which is why I want to dominate the space. And it might it might look differently you know, in, in a couple of years if I don't get success and I might be out of my ass, but... I'm going to try my hardest to go for it all while I'm here. Mate, I wish you all the very best with it. Thank you for coming in today. Thanks, bud. Unreal chat, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, brother. Cheers.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.